If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with a pre-Thanksgiving, completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, November 26, 2014, alongside Gobble, 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 Ian Ferguson. What the fuck? <laughs> you already sound like you've eaten some turkey. You're all like, it's the podcast. I, I got those hormones in me that just make you fall asleep. The trip to fans. Is that what trip to fans? That's right. It's the 26. <laughs> We're doing some stuff. So coming up on the show, we're talking about lots of goodness. Talking about um, the price matching fraud going on uh, between the Amazon uh, prices and people trying to get a PS4 for 90 bucks at, at Walmart. The Jurassic World trailer came out. The Xbox One and PS4 turning one year old. Oh, it's one. Uh, scalpers trying to buy and resell the Wii U GameCube controller adapters. Uh, maybe some eBay shenanigans going on with big sellers of used video games. Activision issuing DMCA copyright strikes against uh, Call of Duty exploit videos. Survivor Series talk wrestling. Wrestling. Your Q and A. So, Ian, how are we doing? How, any plans for Thanksgiving? I do. We're going to go over to uh, Treg's place, and we are going to eat a lot of turkey, drink a lot of tiki drinks. Uh, <laughs> I owe oh, so many tiki drinks. Treg transformed his entire garage into a tiki bar. Now, it's Tra- insane. Now, Treg is, is your boss? Yes. Well, he's my friend. It's one of those things where it's like, how do you phrase it, you know? Friend boss. Boss friend? Frost. He's my Frost. Brett. My friend. My friend. But my boned <laughs> friend. Bond. My bond. B O N D. Did you say you bone trig? Anyway. My boned. Anyways. Um, and uh, yeah, so he makes great drinks. And every. I used to always take sweet potato pies, but when Vonnie and I started seeing each other, um, we started getting uh, tamales from the guy in her neighborhood. Um, him and his wife make these fantastic freaking tamales, and they sell them all year round. Uh-huh. But they really go all out on the holiday. Is they usually turkey like, tamale. They usually like <laughs> stuff stuff like like special things in them and whatnot. And uh, we're taking um, like a dozen uh, pork and green chili sauce ones and a dozen oh. um, cheese and green chili. And the Ooh. cheese, I I am a meat eater, but man, those cheese and green chili tamales are just the best thing in the world. So I'm looking forward to it. Trey always does good mashed potatoes. He does a ham that he uh, bastes an arrogant bastard ale by Stone Brewing. And it just caramelizes and comes out like super awesome, and sweet. Yeah, and I I just can't wait. So Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, bar none. Is it really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Halloween's mine. Yeah. Uh, technically, Bonnie yeah. one time had to uh, deal with a uh, drunken phone call, a series of drunken phone calls uh, when I first met her. Surprisingly, she married me. Um, I went home for Thanksgiving and got very drunk with my uncle on very old scotch and uh, called Bonnie and explained to her for 15 minutes about how Thanksgiving was my favorite holiday. So uh, she always brings actually, it up. Actually, it, well, it doesn't count that Christmas Eve isn't the holiday itself. I like Christmas Eve, though. But it Christ- does count. But it's the best meal of the year, the meal of the seven fish. 
and so and the antipasta and the Italian pastries. So I mean, my literally, I plan every June twenty fifth. I say this meal is six months away. I'm, I'm not sorry. kidding. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking to last night in the meatball. <laughs> oh, okay. So basically, we're talking about that. But anyway, Thanksgiving, real quick. Thanksgiving um, is going to be uh, me. Visiting a couple different places. You don't want you go to one pl- person's place, you go to the other. Frank's making his, uh, well, I guess San Diego famous sweet potato pie. Frank is a really good cook. Yeah, Frank's by the a, way. I, I, I can vouch for that. Like, he'll just make, yeah, I made a chicken, but like, he'll like marinate it and stuff like uh, orange in it and have orange peel. And it's like the most yeah, delicious, succulent thing ever. He'll talk about like he accidentally kicked it in the oven and it <laughs> came out okay. It's like, fuck off, Frank. This is delicious. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll make some ribs. Yeah, he has a smoker that he yeah. throws them in the oven. <laughs> And they top them off. They like they fall off the bone, literally. Anyway, um, but last night we recorded almost non drunkenly, but it might as well have been uh, the uh, video game years volume two DVD commentary with with Joey uh, Desena Rue, and uh, it's bizarre. It's like I'd say for the first twenty minutes we kept up the feeling that we were actually trying to do this seriously right. and then we just said screw it we're just going to have inside jokes and, and go off on things and then have cannibalistic uh, theme run through I, I, made, I made cannibal jokes I think throughout the entire 82 episode as many as I possibly could Pat it started in 81 though it was set up in 81 I set up in 81 I put on a T for you and you sort of knocked it down for uh, 82 Pat made a lot of Italian jokes but hey it's okay because Pat's Italian I'm, I'm 79% Italian so it's okay 79%? 75 75 okay. don't make me get out my uh, ancestry.com <laughs> DNA test and go right. through the other divisions where I'm actually you know part Arabic going back a thousand years right. you know I'm not going to do that I still want to do one of those when you told me about that it sounded very really cool it's very yeah. interesting so anyways we had fun doing that but uh, other than that you know um uh, you know, life has been pretty good, calming down a bit after the the the, the big month that was uh, October. You know, in the beginning of November with the marathon, wedding, all that sort of stuff, being sick. Um, I'm officially going to Magfest, and I mean two in a row. Wow, two in a row. The second convention. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, second you convention count- of this sort. Yeah, you don't count Comic Con. That's not. Sure, I mean, yeah. one where you're a guest, kind of, where people know you, right? Yeah. Um, and Bonnie's going with me, which is big. I know a lot of my friends on Twitter are excited to meet her. Um, some have already actually met her, so that's pretty cool. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so she will be having a good time, I'm sure. Um, one of the cooler things that happened, I'm only going to touch on it briefly, is uh, after this recent um, Nintendo Marathon, uh, our, our local... Children's Hospital, uh, which is part of the Children's Miracle Network, actually got a hold of us and uh, asked us if we'd like to take a tour of the hospital, and they would show us sort of how these funds that uh, you, you guys all donate um, to the, the marathon, you know, uh, affect the actual hospital. So for me, it was really cool because, you know, over the years, we've done these marathons, and we've always known that the money goes to a good cause, and we've, you know, we've kind of seen the first part of the equation, but we've never been able to see the, the final result. So it was really neat. Um, uh, uh, a lady named Carly took us around and showed us. And, you know, all the playrooms, it, it's weird because I was kind of assumed, but you never think it. When you're in a hospital and you see, like, a playroom or a playground, you know, out in the courtyard or something like that, you just assume that it was part of the building plan. But it's not. Those are things that are almost entirely built by, you know, philanthropy. Um and then wings of buildings, you know, this is a non-profit hospital, so, like, you know, donations, you know, really help this sort of stuff. And, you know, they just built a beautiful wing with very, very specific um, areas for care. 
And it was just cool to see the effect of everything that's been going on for five years and how much you all have helped, um, you know, not just Rady Children's Hospital, but all of the children's hospitals all over the world. And even though you always trust these things, you know, we can actually say now, you know, there is a difference being made by these donations. And that's very cool. Yeah, we saw, like, you know, the, the beautiful, just, like, just the, the, the feel of the place was so comfortable. Right. It's just, it, it felt like you were just relaxed. It didn't, doesn't look like a hospital from the outside. There's areas where you walk into it where it, you know, it doesn't, it's not all cold and just white walls. You know, it's very warm. Yeah, they had tons inviting. of beautiful, like, broken yeah. tile art where they would, you know, shatter tiles and piece them back together. And there was modern art installations. And the, the, you have to understand, this is a nonprofit hospital. Yeah. So they're not wasting. It's not like they're, 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 they're charging you more than they should sure. to build this. This is all part of, you have to understand, it's a children's hospital. Adults can handle the fact that they're going to the hospital. Children's need to feel warm, you know, and calm yeah. inside, and, and, and this really goes a long way to helping them while they're there, so it was just, it was a fantastic experience for myself, and I, I, I'm sure I can speak for Pat and say for him as well um, very, very cool stuff and uh, it makes me want to get out there and do a bit more Alright, so what's what's what was going on? A week or so well, back with uh, I'll start well, on this. Why were PS4s being sold for ninety dollars, Ian? Because people are assholes. Oh, okay. Because people are scumbags. Um, so I'm starting. Kotaku. The, the the story broke on Kotaku that um, basically what had happened was is there it started with an error being priced uh, on Sears of a Nintendo Wii U and 3DS bundle for I believe sixty or ninety dollars, and that was for sale on their website, right? And some, and that was for sale on their website. And someone printed it out and went and the stores. And went to the store, and they couldn't get it. The manager actually shot it down. But what people realized was very quickly, um, anyone can sell on Amazon, and anyone can create an official-looking ad on Amazon. Uh, so people were putting PlayStation Fours up for sale. And now something like Amazon will shoot you down, kind of as an automatic scam if 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 you're selling for less than like. I mean, if something sells for 400 and you're selling it for 80 they just automatically don't put it up. But you can pre-generate that page, screen cap it, and it looks just like the actual ad. So there were people out there actually encouraged... So people went out there and they were putting PS4s up for 80 and 90 and they were going... And there or, were they were, other, they were, or they were creating, yeah, creating false, false ads. Uh, or, or false pricing on Amazon Marketplace, yes, which, right. are, which are the third-party place. So you go on Amazon, you, you have like the Amazon listing, but then you have a bunch of other... And anyone else can sell on Amazon and list their own price. Right. And the, so, you know, I think a lot of people didn't think. And a lot of people felt like... We're screwing the man. You know, we're screwing Walmart. We're screwing Kmart. We're screwing these places that do price matching. Um, but as a small business owner and as a person who knows people who have been, um, you know, thrown under the bus for mistakes at big box places as well, um, you're not fucking anyone but the little guy who needs money to buy presents and food for his families or her families at the holidays. And this is what bothers me about this. No one fucking thought twice about this. Um, if you go out and you scam someone on a busy day, it's the holiday season, and you're screaming and throwing a fucking fake ad in their face, and they're at the counter, and they price match it, mm -hmm. 
it's not just you who's coming out ahead, and it's not the big business that loses the money. It's the guy at the counter who's going to get fucking shit canned because he accepted a price match that was false. And no matter how legitimate it looked, the 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 boss of that establishment, that person's direct higher up, is not going to think twice about canning him when it's his ass on the line or the employee. And that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. You're fucking gross. There, there's, a, there's a lot of... I have a lot of issues with this. Um, we're on the same page here. I, I, usually when it comes to stuff, we usually are. Um, I, not always. I think that's what makes it interesting. But on this... No, no, I, I, when it comes page. to consumer stuff, oh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, usually yeah, on the same sure, page. Sure. The, the problem with this, this, this uh, idea and thought... That no one is affected by my actions, it to me is disturbing, and it's not just for stuff like this. It's on every level where people are tweeting out. You know, people. First of all, if you're stupid enough to tweet out your receipt with like your half your credit card number and your store, I think Walmart's going to find out who you are, mm-hmm. and they may not they may not be able to do anything about it there technically, but they'll have you on file for the future because companies do do that. But this is a problem. When I see people, whether it's whether it's reported on uh, Kotaku, and Kotaku was almost encouraging it in some weird, weird, sick way that, well, you're just screwing over Walmart. Do you honestly think, let's just say, for example, that let's just say 200 people, which probably more than actually happened, 200 people got this deal. So a PS4 usually goes for what, 350 400 400 new. So let's just say they're, they're losing $300 in each. 300 uh, times 200 you do the math there, it's like $60,000. And you know what $60,000 is to a place like Walmart? Fucking nothing. nothing. You haven't screwed over the big guy. No, what you've screwed over is this. Like Ian uh, astutely pointed out, um, it's the that employee making minimum wage that is sitting at the desk and, and getting yelled at and just said, oh, I, I, want, I don't want to deal with this, I'll just price match it. And then when his boss finds out, some bosses probably be like, okay, you did a bad thing, we'll let this slide. But what if that person's on one or two strikes? You don't know. The boss is having a bad day. Yeah, that could give them authority to shit can that person because they maybe showed really bad judgment, or hell, they don't know if they might be in cahoots with the person doing this or persons. You know, because that happens at times where people are, or where scams happen where the employee is in on it with, the, with right. an outside person. Stuff like that does happen. Right. So there's just uh, if that happened in the store for any other purpose or in any other department, that person could be in trouble in a totally non-related issue. These are things no one fucking thinks about. Right. Which really annoys me. Um, and, and the other part about it is there are many stores. I don't know if Walmart does this, uh, but there are stores where there are bonuses uh, based upon how a store performs. If they get a certain amount over a certain profit level, uh, a, a percentage of that profit goes back to the individual store employees, and, and then they get a cut of that. Again, I'm not sure if Walmart does that, but I do know that stores that have done something like that. And if you're doing this and ripping them off, you are hurting those employees directly. You're not hurting the fucking CEO of Walmart. You think, you think it's going to matter to them? And they know it's not going to matter to them. At all. And it's just that sort of bullshit sort of attitude where, well, I'm not hurting anyone because I don't think I am, so I'll just do whatever I want. Which no. is, it, it's, it, it's just, um, it's just mind boggling to me. My blood is starting to boil and I, do, I don't want it to affect the rest of the podcast, so I'm simply going to say this. Um, we live in an age of entitlement. And we live in an age where people think about no one but themselves. We live in an age where we are on the internet constantly, and to so many people, it is just words on the other end of the computer. When you sit down to Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow, if you happen to be one of the people who managed to get a cheap PS4 uh, by scamming a company, I want you to sit down and honestly think about if your 
ruining someone else's opportunity to have a meal with their family, if you are ruining someone else's opportunity to have a Christmas because you needed a fucking piece of consumer electronics for $90, here's a better idea, fuckface. Wait until Black Friday and get it for cheaper, or wait until you have the fucking money. Do what the other rest of us do and save up and buy it when you can fucking afford it, you piece of shit. And I'm glad that the uh, there's, like, cheapy games... They wouldn't run something like this usually. They usually do reputable, real deals. They don't do some. This is fraud. That's what it is. This is fraud. Cheap ass gamer wouldn't run something like this. Yeah, he wouldn't. Maybe, maybe. maybe, I mean, I don't know that. I can't verify that, but I I would like to think that they wouldn't put something like this. No, because this isn't a real deal. It's not. It's not a real deal. It's fraudulent. Um, So I don't know where you go from here, but just please, this isn't a. This isn't like, well, you get good deals at the flea market. No, because that's an agreed upon price, and it's not fraudulent. That's a. You know, it's not like it's not like Walmart pricing this at ninety dollars, knowing it they're getting screwed, and it's not like the person walking into the store. Uh, doesn't realize that that's a fake uh, price. They know it's a fake price, or else they wouldn't be doing it. Right. So it's just totally fraudulent. And just just think about it. Think about who you're really affecting. And don't that's even all. come at me with the smarter. You know, the, they need to be smarter than that, or it's their fault thing. Because it's not their fault. Like I said, if if you've worked in retail, you understand how hectic these situations can be. You don't understand what sales go on. Black Friday deals, holiday deals get crazier every year. Sure. And while an employee is probably going to look at that with a raised eye, if it's a matter of getting a 15-person line moving a little bit quicker, they're probably going to look at it and go, this looks like every other ad I've ever price-matched and price-match it, even though it seems bizarre. And then they, the, it's not like they have time yeah. to fucking verify And then it. their boss will come back in the, in the day saying, you did what? You sold one or two P- PS4s for $90? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right. You know, either they're going to be docked pay, or I don't know if there's some sort of demerit system, or again, um, if, if there's a Walmart sharing system, I think there is, uh, for profits, that eats away at that. Right. That That's where it comes out of. It's just bad. And plus, you know what you're screwing over? Everyone else, because price matching is a good thing for the consumer base at large. Yes. And so when this happens, stores might, might be, well, this could put us at risk. Why Why should we do price matching against other stores? Well, one of the articles, I thought it was the... Walmart was already forced to change a policy. I thought it was the Kotaku one, but maybe it was the consumerist article. But yes. they... they um, they basically led off their article by saying, and uh, in other news, horrible people ruin price matching for everyone. Sure. Uh, so you're taking advantage of, wow, a big business doing something that's actually pretty good for the consumer. Yeah. You know? um, so this is what Walmart actually said. We launched online price matching because it's the right thing for our customers. It's making a meaningful difference for people who want to feel confident they're getting the best price, and we're committed for matching online prices going forward. At the same time, we can't tolerate fra- fraud. We can't tolerate fraud or attempts to trick our cashiers. This kind of activity is unfair to the millions of customers who count on us every day for honest value. With this in mind, we've updated our policy to clarify that we will match prices from Walmart.com and 30 major online retailers, but we won't honor prices from marketplace vendors, third-party sellers, auction sites, or sites requiring memberships. So again, people will say, well, why don't they do it to begin with? Well, I'm sorry. It's sometimes it's hard to think of every scumbag move that someone will potentially make until it happens. Right. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You Some- can't always know something that's going to happen until Some- it happens. Something's going to get through the net. Right, so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, not much more to say about it. If, if so, if, if, again, you got a, you got a PS4 for 90 bucks. Good for you, man. Good for you. You, you want to you wanna spread the news about it and encourage other people to do it? Feel great about yourself. Uh, so, on to something a little bit more positive for me, anyways. Hey, is everyone ready for a CU podcast first? I think it's a first. A trailer analysis and review? A trailer analysis? 
that I am positive on. What? And other people seem to be negative about it, so I'm still going to so, get called a hipster. So Zack Snyder's nowhere near this Zack movie. Zack Snyder's nowhere near this. I don't, I don't even know who's near this. You know what is near this? Fucking dinosaurs. Uh, so the first Jurassic World, like, full trailer came out, and um, some people are pissed that it gave away too much plot. Look, I don't like it when trailers do too, but it's the fourth Jurassic Park movie. Is right? it a secret what happens in Jurassic I mean, Park right now? Right, uh, dinosaurs run them up. Right. At first it's like, whoa, this is something innocuous. Giant monsters, and then they right. run amok and kill people. Okay, oh, so there's a hybrid. Well, they never showed you the hybrid. It just makes me interested. You know what else that trailer showed? It showed Christopher Pratt unleashing a horde of raptors <laughs> and riding with them on a motorcycle to save the fucking day. I guess he's the dinosaur whisperer. I don't know, dude. <laughs> All I know is, like, it's Jurassic Park, and there's... Okay, so... Unlike the second... I loved the first Jurassic Park movie a lot. I have watched it a lot of times. The second Jurassic Park movie... I, I I did not like it because the second half of the movie. Well, that's is, the one is, that is, really deviated from, from the book, the book lot, right? Yeah, and I the read the. I, I I mean, fuck Michael Crichton, but I I loved the first two books. So they attacked right here at Coronado. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I loved the first two books, and the fact that it deviated so much from the book, I didn't like it. Part three couldn't even. I just didn't watch it. But this, we're going back to Nebular, folks. Okay, we got dinosaurs. It's open for business. There's rides. Did you see the third one? No, I said I didn't see the oh. third one. Yeah, I just didn't bother with it. I've seen parts of it on TV. That's one of William H. Macy where it kind of gets back to the basics a little I've bit. I've heard it's a bunch of chase scenes and then a helicopter airlift out of it. And that's basically <laughs> it. Well, that's like the first it's kind of like Terminator 3. <laughs> a, a, big, a big chase scene and then, you know, something happens at the end. But it has the original uh, guy in it. Uh, what's his uh, name? Does it? Yeah, the original Doctor is in it for the third one. All right. Nice camera. But here's the thing about this. Just from a plot perspective, at what point do you realize that having dinosaurs around people is not a good idea? How many... How much death and destruction does it take? Here's the thing. And, and people... <laughs> like, I, if this actually happened, I, if a dinosaur actually ran amok, <laughs> if a T-Rex ran amok through Coronado Island right over like, here... We are never doing this again. Yeah, we are not going <laughs> to... We are going to leave that island alone. But, you know, yeah. is it just the fact that greed conquers all and that we can make this into Disneyland and then get... Would you visit a Jurassic Park? Like, would you take even that small risk? Even if you knew it was open for a yes. couple of years and nothing happened? You would? I would. Okay. I would. No, I totally would. You would totally go for it. I would totally go for it to a Jurassic Park. And if I got eaten so fucking it, <laughs> it's worth the risk. would be the coolest way to do I think oh. I'd be okay with watching videos on YouTube of it. Mr. Ferguson, <laughs> how did your son die? He was eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> your son's fucking awesome. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to get shit because, you know, I, I take things like my superhero movies a little bit seriously, but that's because superheroes and stuff like that, they have a long history and a canon. Jurassic Park doesn't. Jurassic Park, to me, is a modern-day popcorn film, um, like a Godzilla or something like that, and I love, I love movies like that, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, from what I saw, this movie could be bad, but it's going to be good. And, I, I mean, I'm going to enjoy it. How is this park allowed to operate just based on the insurance costs alone? You, it, you would think it would be astronomical. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Well, let's see. You've had 45 people eaten on this island, so your insurance is going to be $5 billion a year. <laughs> you know, like... I don't know. But, anyways, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts actually are. You said you watched it. I don't think you ever had... I don't. I, well, I don't well, gather you had the investment. No, I mean, I, I, I watched the first movie. The first movie still, you'll go back, it still looks great. The effects right. are still good. And 
And that was the first that was the first time the CG graphics and we were like, wow, this is really well, good. Well, because it was a mix of CG and practical yes, that and they made it, it amazing. They yeah. pulled it off. They even kept it kind of secret until mm-hmm. the movie came out. And that was the first movie I remember in 93 that I think had like 3D sound, I think, fully. Like in theaters, mm-hmm. I remember. And I saw it in a theater. And it was like, yeah, the roar came from behind. Well, and you're like, holy the shit. The thing I remember, I mean, yeah, it was the, um, the roar and the... The thumping with the water. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember never really hearing anything like that in a theater before. So you have um, Chris Pratt, who I, this is going to if, if Gal, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy didn't cement them as a superstar, this movie will. Right. I just hope he doesn't get into this sort of I'm going to be the same character in every movie. He didn't look like he was going to be though. Well, he looks exactly the same, the same facial hair. Oh, but, well, uh, but we'll see. I'm just saying. I hope he doesn't get himself typecast as just the cool, cocky hero. Even though some guys play that well, you know. Well, what I mean? I don't know if if he gets typecast as the cool cocky hero who rides a motorcycle with a bunch of fucking velociraptors. I'm okay with it. Are are, are you okay with the velociraptors not being um, scientifically accurate? Because since, since Jurassic Park came out, they've actually known that they have, they have they're like smaller. They have feathers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, you, you, no, don't, I, you don't care that they're, they're different. Than I'm more. okay with everything about this movie. You just like dinosaurs. I just like no, dinosaurs. I like dinosaurs. As a kid, I love dinosaur no, I books mean, and I, you know little figurines. In, in, in reality, I, I I I love dinosaurs. Like I read about them. I, I like to keep up on. I know they're not the same, but for the purpose of Jurassic Park, which is a movie that does not take place in any form of reality, I am okay with the raptors looking like the raptors from Jurassic Park. So you have uh, Chris Pratt, who is probably one of the guys running security. I guess again, he, he he's a Velociraptor whisperer or something. And then you have Bryce Dallas Howard <laughs> as, I guess, the person running it, who is the person running, oh, nothing's going to go wrong in my park. Maybe maybe she's the granddaughter of, of Hammond from the first one. And this time things will go just fine. I know. And then Vincent D'Onofrio's in there, which I just love. Well, wait Vincent a D'Onofrio. second. I love Vincent D'Onofrio, and I did not see him in that trailer. I believe he's cast as uh, T Rex number two. Uh, no, but he's he's listed as Morton is his name. Uh, no, I no, you don't understand. You have the a thing for deep love I have for Vincent. You love Criminal Intent. Uh, yes. You see the last season? <laughs> Connect the dots. Did you ever see that one? You, you know he's gonna, you know he's going to be Kingpin in the Daredevil series. Yeah. So your yeah, soul just so goes. I'm, I'm gonna go see your that soul. too. Yeah. Um, so well, and BD Wong from uh, from SVU. Are you he's kidding? Gonna, me? He's, he's cast. <laughs> he loved this movie. I don't want to hear ever again that Ian hates stuff. Yeah, because he's like I he's am so eight, happy. I am eight plus one hundred percent ready for this. And in true fashion, you have your T Rex arms ready to go for your Jurassic World. BD Wong, Vincent, and oh god, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. Velociraptors and mode. Okay, yeah. So let's move on before I create fluids. Uh, that's also <laughs> a reference to last night. I'm sorry. So well, last night, let's just make clear for the people on YouTube, oh. we, we recorded video game years commentary. Yeah, we did. Oh, and okay. um, it seems like uh, our pal John Delia has uh, issues with bodily fluids. <laughs> so. Did you like the slow, creepy piano uh, re- uh, oh, remix of the oh, original theme? Um, tears, <laughs> just light, light, light welling up of tears in the corners. I oh. If you had a choice to be eaten by what dinosaur, would it be a T Rex? If I had a choice to what? Be eaten by a dinosaur, would it be a T Rex or be like a pterodactyl swooping in, mm. a brontosaurus stepping on you? What would it be? Eaten by a dinosaur? T Rex. <laughs> if I could be a dinosaur, <laughs> uh Triceratops. Okay. Always been my favorite. Okay. Moving on. So this best conversation ever. <laughs> so so this um this is something we'll just touch upon because it's almost like it doesn't seem like it's already been a year since Xbox One and PS4 came out because you know why? Because <laughs> nothing exciting's happened. There's been not not a lot of exclusives have come out in the system yet. Titanfall's an exclusive. They're still waiting. That's for it. not. It wasn't exclusive. It was on. It was on the 360. So that's on. Is the big Halo exclusive even out yet? Yes, it that's is, and one. it's full of bugs. 
Okay. And it was just remakes of the previous ones. GTA V just came out a year later. It has some exclusive features. First person mode. Here's the point, though. (laughs) We are not even close for these systems to be necessary one year in. And the Xbox One hasn't done the best of sales. And they're horribly behind the PS4. They're probably never going to catch up. Well... Here's the thing. I don't have any exact numbers in front of me. They are trailing the PS4. I'll bring them up. Okay. But, uh, and they could catch up. I don't think they will. Um, they slashed the price of it to try to... Yeah. I, when I, you have to understand, people want to label me as not all our family, but you have to understand, I sit behind a fucking desk and sell video games six days a week. Sometimes seven. I, I see trends. Um, any PS4 that we get in the store used sells within... A day, two, three days, maybe. The last Xbox One we got into the store, and we sold it at a very cheap price, uh, took three weeks to sell. Actually, I think it took four weeks to sell. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, obviously, that's not a nationwide, you know, sample of what's going on. But um, when people come in and look for, hey, do you have games for new systems? Yeah, what system are you looking for? PS4. The Xbox One just isn't generating the excitement and I the problem is and, and and here's the thing I wasn't I wasn't pro Xbox One as a matter of fact I was pretty negative against it at first but truthfully it bothered me that they did have some exclusives I was kind of interested in and a lot of those exclusives have come out and they've been released to very lukewarm and tepid reviews so suddenly I don't have a lot of reasons to want an Xbox One whereas the exclusive download games for instance on the PS4 even though they're just download games um have been more than enough fun for me to be like, well, I don't need this system now. I bought it because I could and I didn't know if I'd be able to later when something like Doom 4 comes out, but there are at least a few exclusives for that system that that, that tickle my interest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is anything out of the ordinary. Uh, I don't know that you do. The way you well, phrased it sounded like you might. I think well, we need to ju- see what happens next year. Okay. Much like we used to Do say it. with the Wii, we need to give all, both these systems another year. Yeah, but this, but, but this is a com- competition between PS4 and Xbox One. Right. Since we, they had 90% the same games. Right. So, we, we exist on its own. Yeah, we use on its own. And, and we've talked about how it's, it's going to come on once the big titles come out. And it is coming on. It has. I mean, there's, there's an outside shot that Wii U won't be, will probably be within the striking distance of the Xbox One when it's all said and done. Who knows? Um, but in Japan, the Xbox One hasn't caught on at all. No. Even if it's a you know, two-to-one ratio here, whatever it is, or three-quarters-to-one ratio. In Japan, it's a bit, been abysmal. Like that, so much that I don't know if Microsoft's even trying to pursue it you know, anymore. The thing there. is, I, I have to touch on that. You know, sadly, um, a system's performance in Japan no longer has much of an impact over here because the... The lay of the games and, and what type of games come out is is so different than what we really, what consumers or at least what publishers were giving us in um, the PS2 era, which was like lots of RPGs and stuff like that. You know, the, the quirkier stuff. Um, but it does mean a lot for Japan. So it doesn't mean a lot to us in terms of what games we get. What it does mean a lot is in terms of global sales. Sony's doing well globally, and if if Microsoft isn't, I mean, how much longer can they really do this? Because they're still losing money in each system. Trey and I talk about this all the time. My 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 friend, my my boss, my boss friend. Uh, When um, (sighs) Jesus Christ, Ferguson, did you really just drop the fucking thought? 
you did drop the thought, and I'll try to pick it back up. Yeah. So I guess, like you said, we're going to see where this ha- goes the second year. But, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting to bring up that, you know, we're a year in, and I don't know if... Oh. It, we, let's put it this way. It, it, do you need a PS4 at this point? Like, do you honestly need no, it versus I mean, PS4? I mean, I, I own a PS4, and you don't need it at this point. I tell customers all the time who are like, should I get a system get a out? PS3. And I say, you don't need it at this point. I said, at the price that you can get some PS3s for in the great back library that it has, and even the Xbox 360... You know, get one of those to tide you over in the meantime until the price on these newer systems drop. And uh, what we were saying about the Xbox One and the PS4 is, um, Treg and I, uh, a lot of these companies seem to think that because they had prior success in the previous generation, that means that that success is going to carry over. But if, if I, I would say in 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 video games more than any any other industry, that's not the the, the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how look how Nintendo lost it from Super going to sixty four, mm-hmm. um, or Wii to Wii U. Right. Look how Sega lost it going from Genesis into Saturn. Uh, Saturn you know, and and how Sony lost it going from PS two into PS three in those early days. Um, a lot of these companies ride on this this fucking idea that hey, we got all this money and we're going to do great, and then they just that they they think that this gives them the right to just try to institute these features in their benefit, and customers do turn. Well, yeah, I, I was going to ask, do you think that the ill will yes. from E3 going back last year, year and a half ago, about the draconian DRM rules and uh, not being able to, to sell used games, you know, things like that, people probably turned at that point. They and, probably absolutely. lost it, the tr- and, and they're not coming back. And just like, and just like it took forever to get um, people back on Sony's side when Sony announced that their good model system for the PS3 was going to be 600 fucking dollars. Yeah. It took them years to get people interested in PS3s again. Yeah, so, even though the PS2 it was the biggest console ever right. in the world, there's, there's it still a, took a while to get back. There's yeah. a lot of hubris. Hey, we're great, and you're going to follow us anyways, yeah. so you're going to pay $600. And it's like, nope, fuck you, we're going to go yeah. to this cheaper system. $600, and the economy's crashing. You're going to just... Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can't buy used games anymore. <laughs> Eat me, I'm going back to Sony. I mean, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work how they think it's going to work. All right. Speaking of modern... Stuff. Current gen systems. So, the Wii U is doing... It's doing nicely. I mean, it's definitely seeing a surge in popularity um, because of great games like Mario Kart 8 and the recently released uh, Wii U um, Smash Brothers. Which has gotten really good reviews It's a well. fantastic game. Uh, we've been playing it all weekend. Vonnie and I have really gotten into it. Um, just great stuff. But they released a bundle. So there's a couple things that were coming out with the the Wii U um, Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers purists will tell you that the best controller for it is a GameCube controller. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think that's just because it's what they know, and that's fair. But, I mean, I'm doing perfectly fine with a classic controller. So to satisfy these players and to try to pull, I think, some of the Melee diehard from Melee into a newer generation of Smash... Wants to make some good money. 
Yeah. They decided to put out a GameCube controller adapter. Now, you plug it into the USB port, and it gives you four GameCube controller adapters. And to go along with this, Nintendo is releasing GameCube controllers again. Yes. And, and, and what, uh, what, PDP's putting them out? No. No, Nintendo's putting them out. PDP is putting out some third-party ones. So they both have their own version of it. Yes. Because I believe they're like twenty nine ninety nine for the PDP ones. I think it's... I no, I think it's 30... I think it's... I don't know the prices, but I know that initially some of the info was, was odd. But no, Nintendo has their own official GameCube controllers. Okay. So... Um, and, the game, the, and the adapter is nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, the adapter right. is nineteen ninety nine piece of plastic that lets you plug in these controllers. They did a bundle that was a hundred bucks that came with one of the GameCube controllers, uh, one of the adapters in the game. Those sold out everywhere, and the GameCube controllers, uh, the GameCube uh, adapters, sold out everywhere. So what's happened now is there is none of these things anywhere. I've been getting calls for them all day, and they're currently being. I've seen them. I've seen people asking as high as two hundred. I've seen them actually flipping for as high as one hundred. This is ridiculous because you can go to a place like Fry's and you can pre-order this online or probably it's, or Amazon. It's back, it's back, it's back ordered. ordered. Yeah, not pre-order. I'm sorry. Order it basically pre-ordered for the next shipment, and they'll probably ship them to you in December. Mm -hmm. Why would you pay $100 for a $20 piece of equipment? I have no idea. Um, I also think it's gross that, once again, there is never a missed opportunity to scalp something for a profit, and it bothers me that people probably bought these up and sold them. It's and capitalism! I don't expect that! Well, sometimes capitalism is fucking bullshit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not perfect, I'm sorry. No, 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 no capitalism is not perfect. Bad no, things happen with it, except the good and the bad. We know that, but it's right. the bad part of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There's good and bad. So... So what bothers me is I have, you know, people coming in and bitching about Nintendo, you know, shortening the supply. And it's like, what what does Nintendo gain by shortening the supply of this? It's it's no. not like the Wii U, okay? It, it's not creating false demand. You don't create no. false demand for a $20 peripheral. No. This is Nintendo thinking it probably wasn't going to be popular enough. And a bunch of people who saw the opportunity bought up what Nintendo thought was a reasonable allotment yeah. and are now trying to make so, money. So say a store probably, what's a reasonable amount for a store to get, like, ten of these probably? Right. Something like that. And then you have people thinking, oh, I'll just buy them off my local Target at Walmart, I'll have 30 of these, and I'll just mark them up, you know, 400%. Right, because Nintendo's not going to make a shitload off of this no. by, by creating false demand. Because here's the deal. There are tournament players or purists who want to use the GameCube controller, and that's fine. But you have to think about the cost involved for this setup, okay? $20 for the adapter, the game, 60 and then, and then, and then $30 for four of the controllers if you want a four-player setup. Unless you have the old ones later right. on. I mean, you, and you could, but... Those will cost you 25 bucks for an old one anyway. So, I'm, so. I'm just, you know, from, a, from this standpoint, this is a lot of money to invest in playing a game. Mm -hmm. Nintendo probably didn't think a lot of people were going to invest this much money in it. They probably knew it was going to sell for them, and they probably figured if we get more out in December, that's fine. Yeah. Now, Nintendo probably should have thought about scalpers, but... At launch, it doesn't matter what Nintendo puts out. The scalper community will still buy that yeah, up sure. and try to flip it. That's up to the individual stores to have a policy saying, you know, one or two per person. Yes. That's up to them to, to, to police that. Um, so, yeah, this is a thing where this will be, obviously, Nintendo's realized this is going to be a moneymaker for them because they're going to pump these out. And this is how they're going to make their money back on controllers 
Just like in the old days, controllers on peripherals like this. Right, but it, but at the same point in time, I I, I don't agree with the uh, sometimes uh, assumption that I've seen online that this is some nefarious scheme. By oh no, it's not. It's, it's like like with the Wii. No, they just couldn't make them fast enough. They had no idea that every single person wanted a Wii when it was well, coming out. And here's the deal: you and could, that was scalp, but yeah, you could make a reasonable argument to me that by creating a demand, a false demand for the Wii. Help them later because they just sold both oh, yeah. of them. It took about a good year before you could but, find them regularly in but stores. That's, the Wii. But but that's because Nintendo makes a profit on hardware. Yeah. You know, like I said, a twenty dollar plastic peripheral that is nothing more than a couple of. I, I just, I don't think that I don't think that no, Nintendo it doesn't purposely sense. did. This. You, you don't you don't falsely create demand for a peripheral that for now you can only use I think on one game. Right. That doesn't make any sense in the world. That's a very niche market that you're going after. Not you know. to mention, it's a game. That when you flip over the box, it's it's like laugh out loud worthy. How many controllers this fucking thing supports? You can use, you can the, use the Pro controller, Wiimote, the Wiimote, the Wiimote Plus Nunchuck, uh, Classic you can use Pro, the Classic controller. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I mean, any you can use all sorts of really reasonable <laughs> Super Nintendo <laughs> controller. You, you can get out. <laughs> it, it, it'd be cool. It'd be cool. Zapper. It'd be cool. Uh, like, like on the Wii, they had those like N64 adapters. It'd be cool. If they had a Wii U on use an N64 controller. That'd be awesome. That would be neat. Uh, I actually tried using that. But, yeah, so I just, it, you know, it sucks, but, I don't know, just bide your time, you know, enjoy the game, yeah, well, enjoy the game. Well, this is just a, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, people are excited about this, they're like, oh, this is going to be the new tournament, uh, you know, uh, Smash Fighter, since Brawl really wasn't, they're, they're excited about it, have a little bit of patience, save save your $80, right. you know, and wait two weeks. And look at it this way, learn the game on a controller you don't like, so that by the time you get the controller you yeah. do like, you're that much better. And that extra $80 you would have spent well, can go into two controllers anyway that you can just buy right now or pizzas for your friends when you have a party do people socialize I mean no, I, no, there's, there's so many ways you can use this money in the meantime <laughs> socializing what it's insane bear with me folks this is uh, semi I guess investigative journalism that's come to my attention <laughs> I guess uh, about a little bit of eBay shenanigans going on that eBay is uh, from, from my source somewhat aware of now if you're a person like me that follows uh, prices of games being bought and sold semi-regularly, especially with buy-it-nows, you know that when you see a lot of buy-it-nows, by the time you discover the really good deals, they're gone. They're gone within 20 minutes, a half hour. Yep. Which could be fair if someone's searching at that point. They're getting a saved search, which I think eBay does send out the saved email search. It's about probably the same time that everyone, probably depending upon the server. That's fine. But it's gotten a lot tougher to get these buy it nows that are either mislabeled or, you know, oh, I'm going to put out like a, a $40 game for buy it now for 10 bucks plus shipping. You know, it's, right. it's, it's gotten tougher to get these. I haven't gotten any of these in any games that I've looked for or needed, and I, know, I don't know many people else that have gotten them. But there could be a somewhat nefarious and fraudulent reason why. Is nefarious the word of this podcast? It is. We, we used it in the last segment. <laughs> um, there could be a reason why. So it has come to my attention through various emails, and I've looked through it, and I'm not going to name the source or the or the entity company being accused, but it seems like at some point within the last year, year or two, uh, they're on eBay. These uh, sellers have accounts. These large sellers. Ha- this I've known. These sellers have accounts, multiple accounts, to buy quantities of game. When you when you go to these bigger resellers, and there's you know between five or ten at least that 
if, if I start rattling off, rattling off the names, you'd be like, oh, I bought a game from them. They have a huge amount of stock. And they're not like a brick and mortar where people are coming in and giving them. These are not brick and mortars. These are online retailers. So where do they get their games from? Obviously, they have to be purchased for the most part online. Yeah, keep in mind that a lot of online retailers don't have storefronts. I don't, I don't no, know if that's don't. something people realize. The biggest this, ones don't. Right. Th- these, are, these are people who are sitting in a makeshift office in their house who have garages full of crap. Sure. Um... And they have empires. Some of them even advertise on eBay, or they advertise. I see their advertise on my website sometimes. These are, you know, eBay stores that have a huge amount of games. So I always thought that they hired people to troll eBay every day, look for game lots, look for buy it now. It's constantly refreshed. Well, it would make sense. You hire maybe four or five people. You can get a good quantity of games doing that. I mean, they'd have to. They'd have to buy at least to have this quantity of games. Ten to twenty at least purchases a day of lots. Besides individual games to get this much of, of stock, these, these companies have thousands and thousands of games for sale at one time in manuals and systems. Uh, someone emailed me with some decent evidence that it looks like there are programs being used by buying accounts to search the servers of eBay automatically based on certain I guess price points and word search terms and buy these buy it now listings the very instant they appear on eBay servers now I read through these emails as well and I believe the individual stated that the way this seems to be working is they're searching hundreds of times a minute and what's very interesting about this is um, you'll notice when you compare numbers that from the time something is listed to bought, you usually see a delay, sometimes, even if the, of the fastest sales, delay of maybe five to six minutes. And what yes. this is is the eBay server uh, putting the listing up. What the emails have shown uh, in evidence is uh, times of 30 seconds, uh, 15 seconds, a minute. Um, this means that these things are being bought out before they can even really hit the marketplace. Right, before anyone can search and find them. Sure, and plus there's different eBay servers throughout the U.S. that are putting this up, so they might be listed first in one part of the U.S. and maybe a minute or 30 seconds later somewhere else, and then it's never even a chance to even be seen by any other part of the U.S. You know, it, it, this is... Um, again, this is something that in my back of my head I could realize something like this could happen, but just seeing it like this pointed out to me that, like, for example, um, there was a seller with some N64 games that were listed all at, like, uh, like $9.99. You know, buy it now. Um, so you have, like, the marquee titles like Smash Brothers, Ocarina of Time, things like that. Game Nine, <laughs> $9.99 plus uh, shipping and handling games like this, you buy those, Smash goes for, like, $45, 50 bucks. That's a $40, $30 profit. Goes for more than that. Right, that. Yeah. So when you see the time listings on these, though, and then compare it to the, the bought listings, a lot of these are the same minute. Yeah. They're the same exact minute that they're listed, and you go back and check the end time. They're the same minute. So if you're, you're going to tell me that someone hired someone to click refresh on these, refresh constantly, newest listings, then had to go, okay, now show me, just buy it now, now show me the price was, and then logically in their human minds, click on it, buy it now, go through the checkout, and within one minute, that's impossible right, even, to even do that, that consistently. Maybe once to do it over and over again, no way in hell. Well, especially when you, I mean, maybe, maybe your first... 
maybe your first time of the day. You know, you can be that fast, especially if you have like Chrome Auto Fill on or whatever. Sure. But but as the day goes on, as you get more tired, I can tell you from working on computers. I mean, anyone can who's worked on computers. As the day goes on, you get way slower at your reaction to this. This is not. It, not only does it not make any fucking sense to hire someone to just hit refresh all day. Um, because you have to actually pay them. It's just not possible for that to be consistently happening. And the evidence also showed some pretty... What's the word I want to use? Uh, robotic timing intervals on these things. Like, exactly... Like, things were bought exactly three minutes apart. And, th- and this person who emailed me found out about this sort of uh, circuitously because they had the bot purchase at least one of their items. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the re- ways they found out where it was, like, instant listing... listing just about bought because I, I believe if, if this is probably well. I kind of I do know who from this evidence who's responsible for programming this program. You can go onto websites and they have the sniping uh, sort of. Uh, I guess you can call them programs there, right. which is what this is. This program is probably based on. Where a sniping one is, you could they're, usually they're free, and you put in okay, I want to bid on this item at this time. You know, six seconds left. This is the bid I want. So this though is searching. Because on, the, on these sniping programs, you have to put in the listing specifically. You have to do the work, put in the listing, and then it has to end. So for there, you can do that yourself. That's not that's just the, the robot helping you. This is the robot searching, like you said, every listing on eBay, searching the descriptions, searching lots and finding descriptions. I don't know if, if it's sophisticated enough to count up the games in a lot and then put it against the price. Who knows? It's that- probably looking for keywords, and if... if- even one keyword is triggered, it'll buy. It, it triggered With and, and the price, price is right. So I mean. Because I know it's going to come up in the comments section, anyways. I'll, I'll address it. I do have issues with sniping programs, but eBay doesn't, or I don't know if they do. Um, it's, it's eBay frowns upon it, but it's not like there's a thing. It's it's. A human could snipe, though. Like, right. before sniping programs, humans were sniping. Right, exactly. And that's what I, I had to go home in college when my big box drive mic was going off and snipe it at, myself. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at, is that humans can snipe, and sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not. And even with sniping programs, sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not. And what it has done is, okay, you found this that you are actually bidding on, so you're, you're actually engaged in some sort of bidding war. Sure. Um, you're not getting it for the lowest available price. And, you know, we all have jobs. We all have shit to do. And sometimes we can't watch all these uh, auctions. But to um, grab things before they're even up for the public is... For the rest of the U.S., yeah. Is, is kind of, I That's definitely shady in my book. It sounds like, according to the source, that uh, this software is deployed on multiple servers throughout the U.S., to maximize its effectiveness. So if something shows up, say say eBay has a server based out of the East Coast, New York. Say if that item appears there, uh, to even two seconds before it appears in the West Coast, because the software is also deployed in that area, it'll make sure it gets it before it even appears, you know, on the other side of the of the, the country. So apparently, eBay is aware of this, or has been made aware. Uh, this person did notify them and gave them multiple buying accounts that were using. Uh, he believed using this, and I believe eBay did uh, ban at least one of these buying accounts, but this is popping up more and more. So, again, this is extremely troubling because it's not a level playing field at all. Right. Um, the, the odds are stacked against you, and yes, this does artificially raise prices. Yes, I was, I was just going to say, it artificially raises prices. Um, I mean, what this program is going after is really misprices, but depending on the parameters that the person wants to set and how willing... 
how close they're willing to get to current retail value. What you are doing is is you are eliminating the lower end and yes. only leaving the higher end, which which yeah. just raises so the it's, price. So it's bad in two ways. It's bad that they're getting all the... They're basically getting all this cheap stock to resell, but they're also then manipulating the market. They're manipulating the market because then, say, for example, Smash Brothers, say in the past you were able to get a cheap buy. Now, cheap, in quotes, for $25. If he, if this if this bot sets it at any $25, hey, I want, I'm selling mine all at 50 I don't want to... All those $25 ones are now gone. No chance. Right. Then because all the 30 ones will be gone. So he's not only... Depl- this person or entities that are doing this is not only depleting the supply... They are now artificially raising the price at the same time and protecting their price at those levels. This is bad any way you look at it. There's no positives to this. None at all. No. The only people that win are the people running these businesses and doing something that's illegal. And again, if if eBay knows about this, I hope they come down on it. Um, Maybe they don't care. Maybe they figure, well, it's going to be bought anyway. But this is a bad experience. And the more people find out about this and use it, it's going to be... That's why I always hated Buy It Now. Buy It Now is the beginning of the end. I'm going to fiddle as eBay burns. It's going to be just dandy. So I bring this up. I'm not going to say um, who this big seller is because I do not have the direct evidence myself. Um, I'm not going to say who this person is, but I, I I invite those out there to look into this activity yourself. If you thought this was going on, talk to other collectors. Look at buy it now prices. Yeah, if you notice your buy it now is being gone in, I mean, way fa- quicker time than they should. Or, or ones that come up in your safe searches, and you go and check them every day, and why aren't they? They're never there. there. Then record this. Record it. Let eBay know. Record let eBay it. Ev- let eBay investigate themselves. That's the only thing you could do. It's just a shame that I, I, I'm always. The, I was always a person on forums where like, oh, you're being either paranoid or no, this shit is happening. It's a big business now. Or it's shop hard. local. I haven't seen any robots come into my store. <laughs> and buy, well, kind of, when you think about the personalities. Yeah. The personality. That's fair. Get, get your table cup soccer for five bucks. <laughs> and put, on, put on eBay for 30 or 40 But, um, yeah, it's just, um, it, it's just, uh, it's just sad. It's just sad. I, and I know a hobby can't remain sort of a hobby forever before this stuff gets infiltrated, but this is a, an illegal, uh, fraudulent act- activity. Yeah. That is nefarious. This is definitely nefarious. So, um, Activision recently, within the past few days, has starting starting to issue copyright strikes via the Digital Millennium Copyright Act against uh, YouTubers because they are posting Call of Duty videos, Advanced Warfare uh, videos, showing uh, exploits and, and glitch tricks to, I guess, you know, to uh, to cheat in the game. And so Activision has come out against this by issuing these strikes. Uh, I guess they don't. I guess they don't want a lot of players knowing about us. I guess it'll ruin the experience. I don't know the particulars about the experience being ruined, but it's interesting that um, the company's doing this. And this is to me isn't so much black and white. There's a lot of gray into this sort of activity. Uh, on the positive side, I like that a company is trying to protect the user experience um, because I've been in, in communities where it was obvious that there was cheating going on, whether it's Unreal Tournament or anything else, where there's bots going on, and there wasn't a big policing of that happening to keep it fair for everyone. So on the one hand, I, I applaud Activision for trying to take a stance. Uh, a copyright strike, though, is a little far for me, and but that's just how eBay works in that it's not like you can set up 
well, you have two days to respond. YouTube. Excuse me, yeah. You don't have like all, you don't have two, ba- two days to respond on YouTube if you get an email saying, you know, please take down this video or else we'll issue a copyright strike. It doesn't work like that. Usually you just get the strike and the video's gone. So, if Activision wanted, obviously this is with, well within Activision's right to do this. They can issue copyright strikes on anyone that has gameplay footage if they really wanted to. Legally, they can get away with it. Obviously, they don't want to do that because that's really shitty to do, and, and plus that hurts them as a company. Can I interject for one quick You second? can. Um, your hair is reach, uh, reaching Ludwig Koopa level again. Okay, thank you, Ian. You're welcome. Continue. Just die blue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me self-conscious. Um, so, so, on the one hand, you have a company with uh, sort of uh, over uh, overbearing authoritarian sort of uh, rules, saying we don't want you to show the bugs in our game that we should take care of. On the, on the other hand, you know, they're trying, they don't want their their multiplayer games to be just a mess of, of cheating due to these exploits. Okay. Here's my, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not too far off from where you are on this. Um, I don't play a lot of the online games that suffer from the cheating, but I, you know, I have a lot of friends who do, and they talk about how you know how great this game was, and then it's been hacked or exploited, you know, to oblivion to the point where it can't be played anymore. And I mean, basically, the game's been ruined by other players. Are they uh, that bad? These exploits? Oh yeah, They're I mean, terrible. Well, I mean, it, it got to the point. It, it usually gets to the point in various Call of Duties where you can't play these games unless you have a hacked, modified controller that can fire out. Is it know, like? Is it like machine gun rocket launch? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think that's a little extreme, but, <laughs> but you know, something like you're that. getting a very unfair right. advantage. So. My problem is, much like yours, it's the severity of what Microsoft is doing, because... Activision. Er, Activision. Who... Because... Okay. Who knows why this person's making this video, right? Now, are they showing it to... Are they making it to show you how to cheat? Or are they pointing out yet another fucking bug-filled game that came out this season that you shouldn't have paid 60 <laughs> fucking dollars for? You should have waited a month. Right. Yeah. And my, my answer to that is, yeah, I don't want people cheating... But just have them remove the video. Do, I mean, do they need the copyright strike against them? And copyright no, strikes are bad. Yeah, and, and, well, that's the thing. And I've learned that from being friends with you, is that copyright strikes are very, very bad. They're very, very hard to overturn, and they can ruin a YouTuber's career. Yes. And if this is how someone is making money, here's a fucking idea. Make a game that's not full of bugs, loopholes, and exploits. Yeah. And I know that with a modern game, especially online, before anyone jumps on my fucking throat, that that's very hard to do, but you have the ability to patch. So patch before you fucking crucify yeah. these people. Th- again, this is a weird spot, because it, obviously... I, I'm, I'm, I'm like... I'm. This is really... Yeah, we're like 50-50 in this, because I, I don't want a company to come out with a game and not police it like they should. I don't want that to happen. Right, but I don't want them to rush it to shelves anyway so they can make the yes. fucking holiday season. But we, we, here's where we are, though. We're here. Yeah. How do they deal with it? Well, but, you, know, you know, Obviously, they're going to try to patch this, but in the meantime, though, they don't want their people to bitch at them because they're having the worst multiplayer experience, and that's why most people are buying Call of Duty games. My thing is this... I'm going to side with the players on this a bit. If we have to side, I'm going to side with the players and say that Activision shouldn't be releasing a game with this sort of exploits, with these sort of exploits, and they probably should be better at patching this stuff quickly. Now, things like you know modded controllers. Now, if someone's showing off a modded controller for rapid fire online, I can understand them taking that action. Do those exist where you can shoot quicker? Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, there's a huge market in that, dude. They they, they cost like $180 with custom paint jobs. Modified and and people pay quicker. People pay out the ass for them. That's really yeah disgusting. Oh no, dude, that's been that's been around since Call of Duty Four. What what, what, what are you able to do? Like turn around, shoot at a dime, you know? Like you know, (laughs) depending on the modder, you can do a lot of things that give you you an up. But so like I understand them, you know, if if like when they ban people who are using modded controllers because they can tell they'll adjust the they'll 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 minorly adjust just the fire rate of a, of a weapon and if they see that you're firing faster than that fire rate they will ban you for well, using that, see, that's that. Good. See, that I'm okay for that yeah. but if it's bugs in your own fucking game release a better goddamn product so yeah again it's, it's, it's a shame because I've been in a situation where I've asked people to take down videos using my content or stuff in the marathon and I asked them nicely but they don't have to respond to me in a timely fashion they don't have to respond to me at all so if if this is Activision, say say there's like twenty people, they can ask them, please take this down, or else we can pursue other issues. Maybe half them respond. You're still going to have ten out of twenty that still those videos up and say screw you, or maybe they don't get the the email. So it's like it's a really weird system how it works on on um YouTube because it's basically if you want it gone right away, that's your only option is that strike. It's not like you can have it gone um, with your DCMA and then have it. Um, you know, have it arbitrated over later. It doesn't work like that. Right. The strikes against you, you are guilty until proven innocent later, which almost never happens. That's how it works. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It's not like I can put the strike against you and have a hearing or, you know, have YouTube uh, arbitrate the issue and then remove it or, you know. Oh, well. I don't know. What else can you say on that one? Uh, I don't play COD. That's what I can say. <laughs> so it doesn't really affect me. Um, but no, that that's weird. That's... I. As a topic goes, that's one where uh, I don't think there's a right. There's not it, an answer. We haven't really been able to pick up. Uh, I mean, I did pick a side at the end, but, but it, it, it's a tough one. Sure. Um, speaking of sides, speaking of sides, <laughs> speaking of sides of beefcake, uh, over this past weekend, uh, Survivor Series, uh, the WWE pay per view, uh, aired, and it looked like a pretty unmemorable card to begin with, and in reality it was a fairly unmemorable card. The card was a little... Until we got to the end. Um, well, let's go over the undercard first. I, I did not watch most most of the Ambrose-Wyatt match, which had some interest. It was, it was decent. Um, you know what? These are two guys that I really want to work well together, and I think they've got a good match in them, and I didn't, I didn't get that out of them. Um... The fact that it ended in a, a DQ, it was not. I hate that. Well, here's the thing. Because well, no, but here, here's my thing. It ended in DQ, and it's going to lead to a gimmick match. It's going to. This is going to lead to a TLC match. It is. So, so we're not going to get a good end to this for like another two months. Yeah, I think you'd be naive to think that this feud would end only after one match. That's uh, okay, I mean that's that's true. I just I, I you can. You can end a match better than a DQ. Sure, especially on a pay-per-view. Yes. It's, it's a little cheesy, but at this point, the way these, these matches end on pay-per-view is either a, a DQ like this, which, again, it, that's more for like a Raw or SmackDown, which you like to see that, or a run-in. But they broke up the Wyatt family, which to me was a big mistake at this point. I don't agree with it. That's a whole other issue. Oh, so, see, okay, so this is... We so don't have could, to get into this, but you disagreed with... I thought it was wrong for them to break up the shield early, but I agree with them for breaking up the Wyatts. I don't think I don't think Bray can really 
come into his own until he's his own wrestler. And I don't think Bray can really come into his own until his gimmick we're, at least changes slightly. We're getting off on a tangent. Yeah, I know. But my, I'm just my feeling is it always behooves any federation to have one strong heel stable that exists. Okay, that's fair. And right now they don't have any. Sure. You know, and actually they don't really have a face stable either. They don't really have anything going on right now. No, actually everything is kind well, of. So the, if you call the authority, well, the authority ideal was stable, stable and but that not- was brought together as patchwork. They're not going out all together all the time. Right. That's the difference. Versus the Wyatt family who are running rough they, shot. They don't, they don't have. They don't have. They don't do promos com- together. They don't yeah. have a combined theme song. Yes, they don't combine theme song. <laughs> no chance. They, they, yeah, they, that's what she got. <laughs> they, they didn't have like you know all vignettes for two months leading up yeah. to them. So I mean that match was. I, I wish it had been better. It wasn't awful. Um, How about the the, the Brie Bella, excuse me, Nikki Bella uh, match against AJ AJ Lee? That was a strange sort of choice, and I don't know what they're thinking there to having you know the huge Bella breakup, which was going over like four months, involved Stephanie McMahon. It involved the firing of the of, of Nikki, which was a good backstory yeah. for her. It actually made sense for how she gets mad at, at Brie for abandoning her, and she was only do that because of Daniel Bryan being injured. And so all of a sudden, she, she makes her life hell. Um, she loses clearly the one before uh, Brie, the good Bella, to Nikki, um, and then serves as her. She's serving as her as her basically slave for a month on TV, and then all of a sudden they're back together and happy. Yeah, it's just like I, I don't like. That's a really bad Russo esque swerve that I didn't like to see. They, I haven't seen something like that happen in a while. That well, made no sense at all. My feeling is I. My feeling on that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, is either it's a very bad Russo esque swerve, or it is. Another swerve waiting to happen so that... Double swerve? Right. So that Brie... So Brie gets get, the belt somehow? So Brie gets the belt. <laughs> so that Brie fights Nikki and then beats the shit out of her for making her slave for a month. And it's really not worth talking about more than that. Because it, it's only, the only interesting thing about it was they did a callback to the WrestleMania a couple years before when uh, AJ kissed uh, Daniel Bryan before the match, turns around and gets kicked in the face by Sheamus and loses the World Heavyweight uh, Championship. It right. was a callback to that, which that is that is good. They're, they're starting to do little callbacks and things a little bit more in WWE. They're starting to reference past events a little bit more, yeah. which, which even five years ago they never would. They're trying to even reference things from the year before. That I like. Okay, so that, that aside, you had the tag team four-way match. Honestly, whatever. I don't know how so quickly the, the, the tag team division the past year went from really good to now I don't care anymore, but it has. Um, it it kind of has I think, <laughs> for me. I think a lot of it for me is they're slow in sending up NXT, guys. Mm-hmm. And the tag, tag division in NXT was really, really good. It still is pretty damn good. Um, WWE, like Raw... SmackDown desperately needs some of those tag teams from NXT. The problem is, is if they do that, then NXT is going to be left without a tag division, and that's been a very big part of NXT, is that they've done equal focus on main eventers, the NXT Women's Championship, which is light years ahead of the Divas Championship. I mean, okay. it's just fantastic matches that you're getting on there with... Even, even with uh, Paige and AJ? Well, uh, Paige and AJ are good, but I'm just saying, like, you've got... You've got um, You've got a, uh, you've got Charlotte Flair, and you've got uh, Bailey, and you've got uh, oh Jesus, 
The names are just slipping. So right you're saying they, they have a, a better core? Well, versus, Banks. Versus yeah. WWE. Yeah, yeah they, they have a really good core. WWE maybe has four competent yes. female wrestlers, maybe five. So they just have a good core that's putting on good matches. And the problem is they're going to spread... The, and I, I was reading about this earlier. Um, there's fear that the WWE is spreading themselves too thin, roster-wise. They don't have enough um, workers to go around between... NXT and main event, you know, and in Raw, yeah. you know, you, you well, brought, Tyson Kidd's not a regular on Raw and SmackDown. They brought him up for good. Uh, is he? He's, he's, oh yeah, he's fucking fantastic. He's really good. He's he's been wrestling regularly the past month, and I'm glad to see it. Tyson Kidd is one of my favorite uh, favorite wrestlers currently. He's an amazing heel. Um, he's still wrestling regular in NXT though. He wrestled just last week. And he does both. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's cool. He comes to the ring wearing the Beats headphones, basically. <laughs> no, he's so, he's awesome. He's a cocky um, heel, which is good. But my problem is is him and like so. The big NXT heels kind of right now are they're, they're working on uh, turning Adrian Neville into a heel but the big NXT heels are Tyler Breeze and uh, um, Tyson Kidd and both those guys are too likable they're rock type heels people cheer for they, them they, cheer they, for they them. like them because yeah, their, their characters are kind of yeah. I mean they're assholes but they're they're funny assholes they're yeah. likable assholes so anyways back to the, the, the main point um, the main event was the big Draw for can we, can we just first say that I I I appear on the pay per view. Can we at least go over that? <laughs> yeah, I I was upset my face wasn't on the sign, but I, we should we should shout out because that was really cool. Um, that was really really fucking cool. Uh, I don't if anyone watched the pay per view, it's blatantly obvious and easy to see a couple of times during the pay per view. There is a in the first, hash, in the first segment, especially in the first segment, there is a hashtag CU podcast sign in like. The first four rows of like ten rows side. about yeah, yeah. yeah and it's with my face on my, my YouTube face I'm like sideways like yeah it, you, it's clear plain as day it was probably small on the, on blowing it up but if you watch it like on a big screen you could probably see it oh no I saw it oh you did see yeah, it I, I, I absolutely <laughs> looked out for it and pointed it out and I was like this is awesome so so we've made the big time ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so unfortunately I, I guess uh, the security took the sign after a while oh did they they did take the sign after the segment I guess in, in this segment but okay because that's when I, that's the only time I really saw it was yeah. the intro segment. I wonder why they took it. They don't like self like self promotion stuff, but which is understandable. Sure. But Triple H, if you're listening, what's best for business is allowing the CU podcast sign. So I'm encouraging anyone going to SmackDown or Raw to bring a CU podcast with my same face. Let's get like a row of them, just like looking at the looking at the. Camera. I, my face can be on there too. No, I'm no, also no, just my face. I'm also on the CU podcast. Um, they should really have us announce. They really should. At ringside. <laughs> you have the, the Spanish announce table, then you have the internet announce table next yeah, to it. We can be the internet announce table. So, uh, so main event time. Survivor Series. Was, the whole pay was based upon the main event. The Authority had their spy versus Team Four. Cena. It's five on five Survivor Series. Five on five. Yes, it's five on five, Ian. Usually, they only showed four, though. It's five on five. They'll make me count them down from my fingers. Um, so the, the, whole, the whole gimmick was that if Team Cena won... Uh, the authority was out of power. Triple right. H and Stephanie, who have been really active, I'd say the past year and a half since uh, Triple H started screwing over Brent, Daniel Bryan last year, um, was going to uh, put basically Vince McMahon forced them to put the authority, I guess, on the line, the control of day-to-day operations. So they had the match. It was like a forty-minute match. It was a long match. It was really long. It was the majority of the pay-per-view. It was a good chunk, maybe forty-five minutes. I would say closer to forty-five. And you know, I watched just about all of it. And I, I was pretty entertained by it. Uh, I had a lot of issues with it being overbooked, which we can talk about. 
Uh, I, I had a lot of issues with um, the referee not enforcing any of the rules of the match. We will talk about that as well. Uh, but in terms of the overall structure, uh, I did like that there was a couple of surprise eliminations, which usually in Survivor Series, they always get a few guys out early to make it manageable. The Cena you know? elimination was... Fantastic. Okay, so let's let's go through eliminations. So it started off with Mark Henry going against Big Show. Big Show knocks him out at the very start. It's like a shocker since they're both the big guys. Now you, now you're down uh, to only four guys on on uh, the authorities team. Um, and then m- more stuff happens. You have uh, Ryback come in, c- comes in. Um, Ryback gets eliminated fairly early for a guy that just came back and is getting a monster push as a big sort of unstoppable beast, how he was when he first came in uh, a couple of years ago, gets gets a monster push and gets eliminated somewhat early, but gets eliminated through outside interference uh, from a curb stomp from uh, Seth Rollins. And this is my problem, though. If you go back and, back and historically watch Survivor Series matches, there's almost like this like unwritten code where they don't do shit like run-ins and DQ stuff that normally would to win matches. There was too much shit in this match... And you are right. I just forgot about, like, Ryback. Um, it was five on five. I thought they, they shorted each side one. Um, my biggest problem was too much of this played like uh, a tag team with cut play and yes. stuff like that. And, and, and that's... I, don't, I didn't like that either. It's supposed yeah. to be one-on-one. One-on-one. The person who loses... Yeah. Gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. You go go back and watch those old survivorship matches. Yeah, you have a guy get rolled up and he's out. You get a guy hit by a semi finisher and he's out, and the other guys stay in the apron. They don't come in. Right. In my mind, it was always that the referee would auto DQ when they came in to keep it under control. Yes. So that's why it never happened on in the past. But this referee didn't DQ anyone, and it became blatantly obvious that there was cheating on it. I know you're going to say it's fake, yes, but it's that suspension of disbelief of the, of the story of the match that really got thrown out for me, I'd say, halfway through. That, alright, Rollins is doing this willy-nilly, it, it's a clusterfuck, there's no order involved here, and at that point, the whole point of the Survivor Series goes away. The whole point of the match sort of left Yeah, me. it doesn't mean it couldn't be a good match, or you can't consider it a good match, but I can't Possibly considered a Survivor Series match. Yes. Um, then you had, then you had like uh, a Rusev uh, try to do the splash on the table, which would have been a DQ in any regular match. Right. So why is he even trying to do that? And then the countout was really slow. Just really, just inconsistent. Uh, the rules of wrestling you hear about inconsistent rules of wrestling happening here, especially at the end when Triple H starts pulling refs out and knocking them out, which should be an auto DQ. Even just pulling a ref out, that could be a disqualification right, right there. And when that stuff starts happening, then all right, the, it's, it's totally meaningless. The rules of the match, totally meaningless. He knocked out like two or three refs, uh, Triple H, when, when they're about to, you know. But the match wasn't a complete loss. No. Um, and here's two reasons why. And I'm going to actually start with the reason that I think everyone loved it more, um, because it was it was less ex- it was exciting, but it's not the big reason I'm excited. Um, obviously, Sting coming in was pretty goddamn cool, and you everyone. Talk, you want to talk about that first? Okay. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I think Sting coming in was cool. I think it. He wasn't on Raw, was he? Because I read no. the Raw report. He wasn't on Raw. But it's very interesting to see him come out now. Because I was not expecting him to come out quite this early. When we when we t- talked about this when they announced it back around WrestleMania, I think I always said I expected him to be there around the Rumble. Yes. I, I think I remember say the earliest he might see Survivor Series, but I always said bet on the Rumble. 
Uh, doing it this early, I think they've planned to do it earlier. I don't think they expected all the positive reaction to Sting to be to this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing they did um, was um, they 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 first had him show up after, unfortunately, the Ultimate Warrior passed away. You know, right right uh, after uh, WrestleMania. You know, within a few days, they had him appear in the interview that they put on the WWE. Very well done. Uh, yeah. Really quickly put together. Uh, like short uh, memoriam video, like hour on his life, and Steve Borden's there, who's staying, getting interviewed. Now you know for sure he's there. Borden Stevens, <laughs> yes, and, uh, he, <laughs> yeah, and TNA Borden Stevens. Um, that was your first. Okay, you know he's there. Then um, in July, I think it was July, they had the awesome, which we talked about, uh, video promo for his appearance in two K fifteen, two K fifteen, which everyone went fucking nuts for. Right, and then they booted it when they realized it was just a video game. And then he appeared at Comic Con like a week or two later, and people went nuts at Comic Con. So now I think the WWE started saying, "Wow, this isn't just a, like us getting like um, Bruno San Martino. This is a guy that can make an impact on TV." You and, know? Yeah, and I think. I don't want to overplay importance of video games because the video game is not important, but I think they realized, okay, literally, the game, the real version of the game, the game that had the new stuff, came out last week, okay? And they realized people are very excited about Sting, and it just, they have an angle where they can work him in, and why not? The crowd's going to go absolutely ape shit over a card that was fairly lackluster, and suddenly yeah. this card is now going to be memorable. Yeah. And... It's just I, I think that's kind of a big reason why they did it. And uh, well, th- th- it was it was a surefire win for not just the fans that knew him. And if you look at the the rea- the reaction uh, down on the TV was I think muted versus if you go on like YouTube and see the reaction from the crowd, like people take people are losing their yeah, shit because I don't <laughs> they're losing still, their shit. I still think WWE has too much fucking ego. They don't want yeah. they don't want to admit that someone who never prior wrestled in their ring could have that reaction. Could have that reaction. This, but here's the, this is the interesting thing, and I read an article on this earlier, so it's it's not this is not just an independent thought, but it is a very interesting uh, point. Um, Sting is the last wrestler. And I really thought about it all day before I wanted to bring this up. Sting is the last wrestler that can have this sort of impact. He was the last wrestler that came up during the equally opposing WCW and WWF storylines, right? And we've had all these surprise entrances from wrestlers Goldberg who, showed who, up, who didn't, Steiner, right, who didn't initially NWR. get picked up by WWE. We've had all those guys come in yep. since. And, and when you think about it, who else is there left? There's no, no, one. there's no one. Sting is the last He's, person who can elicit this sort of response yes. from the crowd. He's the last and arguably uh, the biggest. I mean, when Goldberg came in, it was pretty damn big, too, because Goldberg was still, well, he was still in his prime right. in 2003. He was still in his prime, and he could still wrestle good matches. Um, but this is literally, his name is the icon. That's yeah. his name. And, and he, don't get me wrong, there's lots of indie wrestlers that they can bring in that are going to get good responses, but there's no one yeah. There's no one in that pantheon that, there's no one that, that Sting is. That literally you had grown men like saying, oh my God, they sounded like like little girls, like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, like their voices, you can hear it change in the audience. Yes. So um, I... I I was a little shocked I, that I was not... I don't know what I was expecting when they brought out uh, Triple H calls for Scott Armstrong to come in after he pedigrees 
Um, he pedigrees. Dolph Ziggler. Scott Armstrong comes down, who was a guy who screwed over Daniel Bryan once or twice last year, so it was a good callback to that. Yeah. Right. Armstrong has actually hasn't been on TV in probably six, seven months, or at least I know. He hasn't even been used. He comes in, one count to two, you hear the crow and the, and the fly. That was a cool sound, just to hear that. Yeah. WWE has a good way of having that initial sound. Yeah, they changed the, the music, but like the, the sound they used to announce it was immediately yeah. everyone knew what was happening. Yeah. I actually liked the new new music. Yeah, I actually liked it. Was it was good. Um, and then, yeah, people were like losing their shit. And then when they saw him, though, that's where they allowed it to. When he sh- walked in, the noise level went up like six hundred percent. Yeah, when he walked in. And the only problem I had was it was was the announcing. There's there's an expression when when moments happen when announcers have to give give a moment room to breathe, and the announcers. All like, oh my god, what's Sting doing here? Then Jay White, he's a six-time WCW yeah. champion, two-time NWC, like as if he had it ready to go. Versus letting themselves be shocked and surprised, like yeah. like, st- like have them stumble over their words, like like right. like like, wh- like what? I think like or calm the fuck down and, and and at least pretend for a moment that you're in disbelief that yes. Sting is walking yeah. down your runway. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm not even the biggest Sting fan, but even for me watching that. It was way fucking cooler than I, I thought, thought it was, was going to be. be. Yes. It was way cooler than I thought it was going to be. It got you. It broke through your, your cynical shell. But it did for me, too. I was, on my, I was, I was watching at, at Frank's on my, my little MacBook Air. I was like, yee! I was like, I, yeah. I was, Frank's like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is that? Well, he was too high, I think, to realize. But anyway, but... um. Yeah, it was like, all right, this is it. This is the last time we're going to be able to experience yep. that guy. Like when Flair showed up on Raw uh, after WCW was vanquished, yeah. people went nuts. And this is another one of those moments. But Flair had been there in, in the early 90s, so that wasn't even the same sort of impact of a guy never appearing before. So I'm not going to say that this is more important, but to me, it, it's what really pleased me about the match. Um Beyond Sting, which was you know a very show-stopping moment, but it, it's delivered, what, by the way delivered a great Scorpion death drop. Oh yeah, that's absolutely magnificent. Uh, I was watching uh, with uh, there's a uh, new guy moved into town. His name is Alan. I invited him over. It, we watched it, and he was like, "Please hit a Scorpion death drop. Please hit a Scorpion death drop." And he just hits the most beautiful Scorpion it looked death like, drop. It looked like, like Nitro '97. Yeah, it was awesome. And that's what the thing is. Sting could still wrestle. Yeah. He can. I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I, I think he's gonna I'm be not smart saying, and not. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna. I'm go not much saying longer. he can put on five star matches, but he's probably. He can probably. He's actually. His body is not as big up as Ric Flair. He he can be able to put, put on like the Ric Flair sort of like knows his spots, does those spots competently, can chain wrestle just enough. And you know what I mean? And yep. knows the full psychology, and that's all you need when you're in your mid fifties. His hair is thinning a little, a little bit. That's all that <laughs> you can see. I don't know what they do about that, but I'll, I'll let all right. I'll let them deal with that. So the last thing about uh, Survivor Series, the part that really got me. Um, I don't know where this thing has come from because uh, I know some people online where they think I don't like Dolph Ziggler. I love Dolph Ziggler. I think it came because I really like Cesaro and I was upset with the, the, the way the Cesaro Ziggler thing went. Cesaro's been buried. Cesaro's been buried. But I love Ziggler and um, man, it warmed my heart to let them let Ziggler work his fucking yeah. heart out. He didn't fuck a thing up. They let Cena go F- out 15, 20 for minutes. him. Um, he put on a, show. a great show. And, I mean, it's too late. His name is Dolph Ziggler. I mean, his name is always going to be a joke name, but, but 
I don't think it's going to matter. I I don't think it's going to matter. I I really hope this is the beginning of something very good for Dolph. Yeah, I mean, he got derailed. Well, then again, it was always that weird sort of when the the World Heavyweight Championship still didn't mean that much compared to the WWE belt man both at the same time. And and, and Ziggler won that and unfortunately suffered a really nasty concussion uh, from uh, Del Rio. Was it Del Rio? Yeah, or was it? Or was it? Uh, no, yeah, kid had by Swagger. One or the other. I forget right now when that happened uh, uh, a couple years. If ago. I had to guess, it would be Swagger because Swagger's a fucking. Yeah, it, mess. Did, it, did, it did. It did. Yeah, Swagger. That was a bad, bad botch from Swagger. Um, uh, yeah, it did happen. It was a really bad concussion. He didn't come back for like two months. It was really like one right. of those really bad ones, and so that derailed his momentum. He had. Then he won the belt again. From it went back and forth between him and Del Rio, but he never got back up to that spot he should have. And after that, he sort of languished, but. Uh, Ziggler is like he's I, I said it before he's like the modern day like Mr. Perfect type HBK where he's a smaller guy but it doesn't matter because he technically is absolutely almost flawless mm-hmm. he sells and bumps like like a, like a king almost too much like I mean I worry I almost, about the guy but yeah yeah he's he's bumped where I was like wow did he really get hurt like, like he's like, like not, not McFoley level but, but he's he's yeah. almost putting too much damage but on that's, his body but that's 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 how he gets over, and that people yes. knows he works well. And yeah, he ne- almost never botches anything, you know. And he's just a technically sound. He's like, hey, he's Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect never screwed up. Yep. That's, that's part of the reason why his name. And he got popular that way in the mid card. Mr. Perfect would never reach the heights that he should have. But Ziegler though has the opportunity to do that, and they gave him again the chance to shine. They didn't sweep out the rug from other. They didn't have Cena go and turn to Superman and fight against the odds. They had Ziggler fight three on one. Because honestly, I figured Ziggler was an early out. No, no, I no that he. I knew he would not be because he because Cena can't do what Ziggler does. You're right. Yeah, okay, that's 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 a fair assessment. And plus, it's the face in peril times. I always knew that they'd go to a spot where Ziggler was face in peril because he plays the perfect face in peril. I didn't know they'd have him three on one. And, and, carry 15, <laughs> and then go minutes. through it, yeah. yeah. And that brings us back to why it became three on one when it was three on three. Big Show turned on Cena and punched him out. I absolutely, I understand why they did it to get Big Show out of the match. I hate it just because Big Show has turned face and heel right. literally four probably times then, in the past three years. And then they had him apologize for it the next on day. Raw, on Raw. And, and it's just like I almost feel bad for Big Show because. You know, work rate rise. He's never he's never impressed me. But like, he's a nice big guy. He seems know? like a nice guy. Yeah. He puts on a show, you know, that I'm sure the kids love. And it's like they've co- totally destroyed his character by yeah. giving him more face heel turns than fucking anyone. Yeah, almost as many as Mark Henry they've done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, I understand why they did it. I wish they played it a little more tweener on Raw, where he was like, you could understand. He gave his reasoning. His reasoning kind of made sense. He's like, well, I thought my team was done. I didn't want to be fired if we lost. If they did it a little more subtly than that, right. I would have liked it better. But uh, good on Dolph uh, Ziggler. I don't know his real name. Good on him because uh, there's, there, there's, they're lacking big-time faces. No. We know that. And he's the next guy that, when Cena's gone like four or five years, Ziggler will still be there. Yeah, business-wise, I think yeah. that's why they did it. They need they need to elevate as many of those guys yeah. to the top as quickly as they can. Because I don't know when Brian's coming back. CM Punk's not coming back. That left a huge hole, those two alone. Roman Reigns is coming back. I don't have faith Roman Reigns is ever going to be that big top guy. I don't. Nope. It'll be Ambrose and Rollins before him. If, you know, but then again, for face, Rollins would turn. But you know what I'm saying? I don't see Reigns being that guy. Ambrose Ziggler would be a good match. Yeah, why not? Ziggler can work with anyone, it looks like, so far. Yeah. So there's our, any, any other thoughts on Survivor Series? Nope. We should probably move on. <sighs> That's what our wrestling fans love us. They want us to do a weekly wrestling podcast, but everyone else would hate us. Yep. So... All right, Q&A time. time on. Some Q&A. Q&A on the CU podcast. Chris Sopsich has asked, 
Which movies would you consider a guilty pleasure? Oh, this made the cut this week. For me, um, it's teen movies. I love teen movies. Uh, can't hardly wait. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. That I was gonna say. That's one. That's one. Heath Ledger. Yeah, that's a good movie. Um, that's just a good movie. Yeah, I, think. I mean, I guilty. fucking love teen movies. That uh, Charlie Bartlett. Um, that. That's the one with the high schooler who plays uh, a psychiatrist in the bathroom. That came out a couple years ago? Yeah, uh, about, probably about eight years ago. Not long ago, ago, really? Yeah, it's, it's been, I've never it's seen shows for a while. Oh, yeah. okay. So I, I really do love teen movies. I'm not so much like modern day teen movies, but like teen movies from the late 90s, I, I still like it. That was like the golden age? Yeah. You know what was good? Not another teen movie was really good. Everyone tells me that and I haven't watched it yet, just because I don't tend to like it, those types of movies. It's hard to do a good spoof film right. because of those awful, like, scary movie ones that are all garbage. That was really good, and Chris Evans was in it, and he was really good on it. And and the guy that played the asshole high schooler is the guy in NCIS LA as a surfer guy. Yeah. Like, I love him as an actor, and he was like in that, and it was really good. Maybe I'll watch it. Uh, but my my guilty pleasure movies, I don't I don't like the, the phrase so much, but I know what you mean. It's a, it's sort of like what you shouldn't on the surface like yeah. sort of movies, and it's not like I don't I don't know if I own any myself. To me, a guilty pleasure is I like Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, and I don't usually like slasher films, but for some reason. That this it was so well done as a story for that one. It's always like that is the crown jewel to me of like the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. That's the one where you look at like that is a slash movie done well and actually has like a decent sort of story behind it. And originally it was supposed to be the last movie, right, so and that's yeah. why it was probably good because they had to actually work a story in there as opposed yeah. to work a loophole at the end. Yeah, and so it's like. That, and, and, you know, plus there's a lot of nudity when you're you know ten years old. You're susceptible to those sort of influences more than usual. But sure. Whatever. Juan Gutierrez. With better strategies, could TurboGrafx have been the leader during the 16-bit era and NEC continued into future eras? I'd say yes. I'd, I'd say strongly yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it, we, we won't go through it again about how Bailey, they were mismanaged in the U.S., how um, it, was like, it was like a brick wall in between communicating uh, on the U.S. to the Japanese side uh, about direction we need money to do this and getting no response and, and not being able they were they requested games to come out in the u.s and they were never sent them even you know what i mean like it was just bad it was right. just they almost like they wanted to fail I, i'm not sure why nec didn't continue on in japan i don't know why it wasn't very successful it was very successful in japan on the pc engine yeah that, that's that would be my point um all you have to do is look at the japanese market to realize that there were the games and the popularity for it and it's it's not that at that point in time that system was full of games that were only popular in Japan. You know, uh, people tend to think of those as like RPGs and stuff. It was full of shooters and platformers, which is what we were getting. But they were fighting games and fighting games. But they were more colorful. Um, you know, they were less flickery. And even though the stock controller only came with two buttons, they quickly upgraded to three and six button controllers. Sure. So I, I don't think there's any reason why, with a better marketing campaign, they couldn't have done much better. I think a lot of the problem in the U.S. was the time of the release between the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, and right around the time of the Genesis, and the fact that immediately people weren't really sure what to make of the system in terms of its hardware. Is this more powerful? Is this less powerful? It was a less powerful machine, but that didn't matter. But I just, I don't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Sega, which even though people didn't own a lot of Master Systems, they knew it, they knew the Genesis, they knew Nintendo. They didn't know NEC. They didn't know this this new company on the block. I, uh, my 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 gut is going to be, the, I, I don't know much about it. I, NEC probably thought, well, we we had a good run. Maybe they figure now with the Genesis, it'd be too too tough to come back in. We made a ton of money, and maybe we're, we just want to get out of it at this point yeah. and just I, say, you know what, we're, we're going to get out of it. And no one was there to pick up the pieces. But no, I think 
I think if in the U.S. at least, maybe that was, maybe that was part of it too. Maybe if, since it didn't do huge business in the U.S. and obviously U.S. is a huge, much bigger marketplace than Japan, maybe they figured, well, since it didn't do gangbusters here, they didn't give it the chance to. We're going to abandon uh, the business. Yeah, I mean, on, they, they could have just looked at it from a financial standpoint but, and said that the U.S. doesn't matter. We're making the money in Japan, so let's shrink it. In this hypothetical, if they supported it, if they brought over Street Fighter 2, if they brought over Mortal Kombat like they wanted to in the U.S., and they could have pulled it off, if they want, if they did those things and kept it around, I do think there'd be a shot that they, you might have saw seen another system come out mm-hmm. in, like, say, I don't know, 94, 95. They might have done it again. Maybe it's a CD system to go against against the PlayStation or maybe something like that, which would have been a cool sort of thing. Right. But it's, it's, it could have, would have, should have. didn't happen. We love the PC Engine slash TurboGrap 16. Corpse underscore SDA. Cleaning discs? How often do slash should you clean discs? Ian in parentheses. Does Luna own a CD buffing machine? Are they harmful to the disc? Um, yep, we do own a CD buffing machine. We own a fairly high quality one. Um, most CD buffing machines that are worth their salt are easily $500, if not $1,000. Um, some go for two to three grand. Um, how often should you clean your disc? Uh, never, if it's fine. I mean, if, it's, if, if your disc is in good condition, there's no need, There's no reason to clean it. Use a soft cloth, get the dust and the smudges off. Should you clean your discs? Only if they stop working. Um, are they harmful? No. The scratches are generally very minor. Superficial? Yeah, superficial. Ones. But they cause the laser to skip. Also, despite the fact that a CD is fairly thin, um, on, a, uh, on a measurement level that compared to what a CD buffer removes, that data is buried deep. I mean, you can buff these things a number of times before you really have to worry about anything. I mean, I've never I've never seen a CD buffed too much. Sure, it can happen. Um, so, no, they're not harmful. I mean, you don't want to go out and buy a disc doctor. I find those to be a those waste. Cheap. Yeah, those are cheap. They're 50 bucks. They're a waste of money. They're the ones that leave those weird, like, cut lines, uh-huh. it almost looks like, on the bottom of the disc. But... Honestly, uh, a good disc buffer is not going to show any signs of a of a, a buff disc. Because I've had so many collectors being like, "Oh, if you have to buff it, I don't want it." Well, you wouldn't then then tell you what. Come back in a week, and I'll show you the same copy, and you won't fucking notice because it looks exactly the same. Are there, there are people that are like really hardcore collectors that don't want it. They want it pristine. How? Yeah, and works. the thing is, is like if you buff a disc once, it looks just like it did coming out of the factory. You literally can't tell if you use a good disc buffer. And someone's going to tell me that they swear they can tell the difference. And I'm going to tell you if you use a well, good buffer, you can't. Does it come down to the functionality, or how does it look? What's more important? Right. But either way, it doesn't look any different, and it doesn't function any different so i mean that's really all i can say on that but um you know clean them if they don't work and no you don't have to worry about it being harmful to the disc especially if it's not working i mean what's the worst thing that's going to happen it's still not going to work yep (sighs) christian asks how do you deal with a growing backlog mine is getting out of hand I can tell you that Pat doesn't deal with his back, growing backlog. Backlog of games? I just let him sit in the corner on the floor and make a pile. That's I, how I deal with it. I, I put this one on there almost as a joke question because my backlog is so big it's ridiculous. Um, here's how I deal with my backlog. I sit down on my day off. I look at all the games that I need to play. I panic about it. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you panic about games? I panic about it. <laughs> I play one for a while. Oh, too much fun in front of me. Yep. What should I, I play first? I panic about it, and then I usually go out and buy another game to add to the backlog at some point that week 
that's that's generally how I deal with the backlog. You know, a serious response. Um, I know a lot of people make lists. A lot of people will take their uh, you know their backlog, do it alphabetically, play the game until they really just don't like it anymore. They beat it. For me, no, I need to have fun with my games, and I do have fun with my games. I I mean, I do panic when I see all the stuff because I'm like, wow, I'm spending a lot of money on a hobby I'm not putting enough time into. But honestly, for me, it's I play the games that I think are going to be fun at the time and I play them until I'm not having fun with them anymore and I put them back on the shelf and I'll go back to them eventually. Or if you beat them. Yep. At this point, I'm really good about buying games that I want to play and not buying shit that I'm never going to touch. So I'm going to go back to it at some point. This is from at Michael Strijan. Strijan? Does our love of violence in video games say that violence or antisocial behavior is part of human nature? I think we have to be careful about antisocial behavior and linking that necessarily with violence because uh, they're not necessarily always connected. No, not um, at all. Um, I, I, I will say this uh, about uh, obviously uh, humans are an aggressive species. Um, we, we do a lot of violent stuff. So uh, at some level that is ingrained in us. It has to be. For all the bad things we've done, we're the only human species, or only excuse me, only animal species that really likes hurting each other, and we can and can do it widespread for pleasure. Other animals species don't do that. Right. I think I think some of the higher primates do have conduct war against each other. They do see chimpanzees have like tribes that fight each other, but again, that's like higher you know up, uh, primates and humans. That's really where it ends. You don't have dolphin uh, f- families killing each other for fun. Doesn't have or over territory. You know, uh, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to how humans like to hurt each other. So, does that connect to a love of violence in video games? Uh, I guess on some physiological level, I guess it does. You know, I mean, it's like anything else. It's like any other sort of outlet. You have to have some sort of a primal need for it, or else why else would you like it? If that makes any sense, you sure. Know? I mean, is that too simple? I don't know. When I well, it's a Q and A question, so it, it's <laughs> got to be simple. Um, so should I, start, should I start referencing journals? I really don't. You know? I don't really don't myself feel that aggressive, but I realize that there are definitely aggressive. There are times where I definitely do feel aggressive. Um, I d- would also echo Pat's sentiment that you need to separate violence and antisocial. Um, I do not always feel the most social, um, but I'm not a violent person. I haven't been in a fight since middle school. Um, but I do love things like fighting games. I want to hear about your fight sometime. Okay, come on. <laughs> I do love things like fighting games. Yeah, sure. And watching wrestling. And these are all false forms of violence, sure. you know. And I, I don't. Football is, uh, is like a gladiatorial sport. That's too much for me to watch. But I'm saying that's but, the same you know, thing. It, but yeah, it's the same it thing. It feeds a, a need. And I don't. I mean, so yeah, I play Street Fighter and I play King of Fighters. Why? Because there's a thrill to a fight and seeing who's going to win, and sure. it's fake. And the people always ask me why I watch wrestling as opposed to UFC, and my answer is because with wrestling, I know it's scripted. And if someone gets hurt, it's an accident. But you still get the visceral thrill of watching uh, a one-on-one competition, competition that is a fight. Um, and because of it, wrestling is scripted, you get a couple big spots, you know, and you get some showboating and stuff like that. Watching real people fight, like UFC, for me, I'm not interested in it. But well, but, but but there is still the need for me to see that to see a facsimile of well, that. Well, there's different reasons why. I don't want to get into it. I, I do enjoy mixed martial arts watching. I don't watch it as much as I used to, but I do like watching it 
to analyze it. There is a lot of st- obviously uh, physicality, and, but there is a lot of strategy involved. Oh, I would never doubt that. Things like that. And I, I deny that. I like analyzing stuff like that. It's not just oh, it's not just watching. Oh, it's, it's not just to me. It's not just watching to see someone get knocked out. It's watching to see how one person takes control of the action. You know, the movement involved. There's actually thinking involved. Oh, sure. The I, best fighters are, are intelligent. The best fighters are not just brutes. No, my, my, and that's never. That was not my my. No, no, I'm, I'm just not saying to insinuate that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's why I watch wrestling. You know, and like I said, fighting games. I, obviously, we like some form of violence. I even play the occasional first-person shooter. But I don't think. Um, I don't. I don't think there's an overall love of violence in video games. If you look at my video game collection, a lot of my video game collection is weird, cutesy bullshit. Sure. Well, we'll bring this back to the fact that yes, it's the same thing like any other entertainment. A lot of the most successful movies have tons of violence in them. All the superhero movies are extremely violent. You know, the people getting hurt and killed, and you don't bat an eye. And I've seen movies rated PG thirteen where people get shot in the head and wondering like, what the hell? Kids are allowed to see it's it's violence is a part of our nature that's basically what it is uh, this could go on for a long time but we'll, we'll, we'll just i'll, we'll I'll just ahead. i'll just leave it at that yeah if not if, if violence wasn't a part of our nature we wouldn't constantly be at war with each other all right what do you guys think of the new uh, oh aaron garrett hi aaron um, what do you guys think of the new guidelines for YouTube vloggers here in the UK? I'm not particularly so I, uh, aware of this. You would be more aware of this. I'm, I'm the YouTube go-to person. You are the YouTube go-to guy. So we spoke about this in the past, how the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, might they're, are, they're aware of this, but might start looking into further how a lot of big uh, YouTubers um, are paid money to promote or have sponsored videos where it's not really... Uh, uh, there's no real disclaimer of it. Okay, right. We, we discussed that we discussed at length. This yeah. At length, how uh, on TV, if you're paid, um, like Alex Rebecca, he's he's a paid spokesperson for a product or insurance. It's displayed up front, mm-hmm. in commercial, bold. Paid pro- a spokesperson or paid. This is a sponsor. I love these or, orthopedic or, socks. For example, um, when when TV shows come on at 4 a.m. hawking a product, it's by law it has to say this is a paid advertisement for the product. It's not just wow. It's this this network decided to run a run a, a, a show just about squeegees for a half hour, just about blenders. No, has to be disclosed. Uh, we don't like consumers to be tricked. Uh, this is where I, I do like the FTC for things like this. You know. So but the the fact of the matter is though, it doesn't really exist on YouTube that much. It's it's either self policing to do this stuff or not at all. Where people, you know, you have wow. Why is this YouTube network all of a sudden? Five people on this uh, on this uh, uh, MCN in one week, they're all playing the same shitty downloadable game. Or uh, another week, wow, all my favorite YouTubers are playing each other on this online game against each other and having all these videos about it. That's a coincidence. Because they're advertising a game, they're not disclosing right. it up front a lot of times. So it looks like overseas in the UK, they're starting to clamp down on this. Um, so... The version of the FTC is, I guess, the Advertising Standards Authority, ASA, over in the UK. And they basically came out with new stricter guidelines uh, saying these need to be clearly labeled when you're doing a sponsored or paid uh, YouTube video for a game or product. Um, So this is good. Right. This is very good. Uh, I just wish it happens here. Not just for the fact that and this is going to hurt anyone's wallet. It's not going to hurt anyone, everyone's reputation. If you look into it, a lot of YouTubers do this. No, if just, anything, it's going to improve their reputation. Well, I don't think. It, it, it at least lets you know 
who engages it more than other people. I guess so that's I mean, what that's that's the part that 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 I think bothers me is is that um, I, I you'll never have to question. Yes, and you, and you should, and and I don't think it's fair again to uh, I don't know it's I, I don't know how much weight a consumer is going to give a big YouTuber playing a game uh, and, and not disclosing it, but it's the fact of the matter is it's unfair. Uh, to any other indie developer that isn't paying to have their yes. product promoted uh, up front like that and, and not disclosing it. And it, it, it's just, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. That's, that's really what it comes down to. It, it's, it, you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want, like, corruption to come into this, like, like a wholesale, where all of a sudden you have um, these YouTubers being paid, you know, $100,000 to promote a game, and then all of a sudden it's like... You know what I mean? It's just an imbalance will then happen. Payola, we even we, payola. we even yeah. we even called the the segment we actually did on this payola. payola. On YouTube or you don't want to see so. payola. The music industry was uh, there's a reason why independent artists you never heard of them in the 90s and the 80s because companies the big music labels would literally pay pay D- for play. They pay radio stations and DJs, and we're talking. Tens of thousands of dollars. We're talking getting them illicit drugs. We're talking like hookers and stores. Like these things happen in order to get what they wanted promoted, played, and that's what made them money. And so you never heard of independent. There was no independent, you know, indie rock stations, or because there was no money in it for right. the stations to promote it. There was no money. They had to promote only the top forty hits, and so that's where the internet actually leveled. That it's a lot easier to get known. But now. We don't want to. See, I don't want to see this happen with video games. I don't want to see payola happen on a huge extent no. without it being disclosed. All right, my back teeth are floating, so we've got two <laughs> questions left. Let's uh, do this. What are your thoughts on the huge craze? Oh, hello, Robert. What are your thoughts on the huge craze that strikes our nation every year, known as Black Friday? Um, I think it's gross. I think it's stupid, and I, I, it's for a lot of reasons. Look. This is almost also a human nature thing too. It's almost like competitive, right? Listen, listen, <laughs> internet. If, if if you go out and you do this, I'm not necessarily calling you stupid or or dumbheaded, um, but it's fucking stupid to get up at a <laughs> stupid hour in the morning to save fifty dollars on a fucking TV because that's all you're saving these days anymore. It's not like the savings oh. are that fucking deep, and it's not Black Friday anymore. It's Black Week. You have Cyber Monday. You have Cyber Saturday. How about we not kill some Walmart employees and just wait so that we can get a TV? For for cheaper. Don't, don't stampede someone at Target like some person it, trying to no, get in the store. It, dude, it literally... People running to it, get their 3DS, their Zelda 3DS. It for, makes me yeah. so upset that I still see sales called doorbuster sales. Yeah. Do you realize that that's how people die? What are the Midnight Madness? I like that Midnight Madness. I like that expression. I don't fucking like any of it. it it's... it's well, do, 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 uh, do, uh, do you dislike the fact that I, I, okay, I have a problem with I, I, I. This is another thing about capitalism. Some people have problems with people being forced to work on Thanksgiving themselves versus other people that don't. I always looked at it as um, it's it's very shitty. I'm of two thoughts of this. This goes into almost like your political ideology. It's a very shitty thing to do to have to companies say you're going to be working Thanksgiving at 4 p.m. Here's how I feel about working you know, on Thanksgiving. If, if we're going, it's, it's their right to do that, but it's shitty to do that to your employee. If we're going to turn this into a, a slightly different conversation, my thing about working on Thanksgiving is this: I worked in restaurants for a decade or more. Mm. Um, I always worked Thanksgiving. It was part of what I did. I considered it 
part of the trade-off that allowed me to live on my own and live mm-hmm. my own life. Okay, um, I understand that plenty of other people work on Thanksgiving. Uh, my cousin is a news uh, producer. She, you know, she works on Thanksgiving. Lots of people do essential services work on Thanksgiving. Well, sure. Um, I do not think it is necessary for retail. Now, people tend to look at this argument as all or nothing. Well, we have to work on Thanksgiving. Well, congratulations. We serve food on a holiday that centers around food. Or or I work in emergency services or something. But retail is different. Yeah, retail is not essential. Retail is not essential. The stores do not need to be open on Thanksgiving. But the problem is, is that the first place it does it because when I grew up there was never stores open on Thanksgiving right then it became Same. like okay we're going to open on mid- or, or midnight or midnight madness they had or, right okay it's the first day of Black, uh, Black Friday but then it became like we're opening at 10 p.m. now we're opening eight. at 8 now we're opening at 6 then it's like okay now they're just one asshole does it now the rest had to copy it or else you know what I mean I remember there was one year that Bonnie had to work from like 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving to like fucking 6 p.m. on on Friday and it was just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I I have not gone or tried to. I think I stopped and probably well, by the time I was twenty when like Best Buy was having like their computer for like half price or desktop. But you get to literally get there at, like three in the morning. Yeah, and sit outside for six hours for the store to open. And then you have to run, 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 run like a fucking rat to get your CD for like oh the CDs marked down from seventeen to ten dollars. You know, back when people were still buying CDs, it's like it's just the say it, right, and that's the other thing that bothers me. The save it, it's not like you're saving. It's not worth my time. It's not yeah, it's not worth your time. It's and, not, and hell, my dignity, it's not worth right, a little it's bit. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your dignity. It's not worth you know potentially putting someone at harm. It's not worth making their day a living hell. And you know, like I said, I, I'm kind of nuanced on this. My problem is not that people have to work on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Okay, we've all been there. It's just well, that Black Friday's different working. Well, Black, but yeah, Black. Friday is different. Um, it, I, I understand that people have to work on Thanksgiving. Black Friday, though, I, I don't know. I just, I don't care for it. I, it, I, I, I don't know. I'm just pan- then again. I don't know. I'm, I have two thoughts. I think a lot of people doing it. They maybe uh, if you're like lower class, you need to get those savings. Sure. But there's so many other alternatives nowadays. There's like FatWallet.com and SlickDeals.net where there's all these deals every day throughout the year. They list all this stuff that you can get online. But that's what I'm... I'm going to make the finger cage right here. The, the like Tommy Tallarico finger cage. Um, <laughs> my thing is, it, it's not... I understand that some people need the savings, right? And that mm-hmm. some families need to need to you know make the mo- save the money where they can. But... Black Friday has become such a big thing, especially in the past 10 years, that more people are coming out for it. The more people that come out for it, the less of a savings you get. Less of a chance, too. And less of a chance. And I've looked at some of the savings over the past couple of years that you get on these TVs and these these, these items. And you're not saving that much. Versus finding a deal online again. Right. Like, I just got a refurbished TV, and I I saved like $200 off the retail, and it's fine. Just do that. Yeah. Just... Do that. I think it's also the rush. It's a gambling rush, sure, sort of thing. People want to get there, but when you see the people's faces, they're like, "Ah, I'm gonna get in the store for everyone." Else. It's like, all right, that's your, that's your drug for the year. That's like your high. That's probably part of it too. All right, seriously, I'm about to stain your floor. So, okay. <laughs> uh, Antonio Diaz, do you think collectors like us are just trying to fill a void of some kind by collecting? I love these psychology questions. And Me I'm too. Come out and say, uh, of course. It's like anything else that you do that you enjoy. Um, you, you, there's you do it because you like it, but sometimes you are f- fulfilling some sort of need that's not being fulfilled. And uh, that, that void can be. 
any, I, I don't want to, it's not that simple. It can be any sort of void. It can yeah. be any sort of, it doesn't have to be a void necessarily can be a memory that you're trying to recapture um for me video game collecting isn't my big thing like it is for you uh for me it's records but i like music a lot but one of my clearest memories of my youth is my parents record collection Mm -hmm. and flipping through it as i got to like music and being like pulling out a record and being like daddy or mommy you know can you so you want to say it's void i I, I think void here has a negative connotation right i I, I think something you're missing in your life i think collectors are definitely searching for something but it's not necessarily a negative thing it's not like there's no love in their life or no social interaction well i think it could be i know it can be the person and and it depends on how badly it gets i'm just saying it's not always it's not always it's not always that negative. No, no, it doesn't have to be, but I think there's definitely people that it falls into. Sure. Or it's like anything else. It, it gives you comfort. Yes. It's like if you're a gambling addict, it it gives you some sort of weird comfort that you have. To, you get that high from it. Some people get a high off of collecting things. Some people get a high off of, of, of finding deals, like like we said before on Black Friday. Um, there's a lot of things that go on. It, nostalgia, it, it could be uh, some sort of... I don't know. I think that's my drug, in. honestly. Like that's yeah. that's that, that's what's tricking me into you know this. Uh, I'll I'll be totally honest uh, w- with mine. Um, the, one of the reasons I like getting this stuff is because I did not have the opportunity as a kid to get this stuff. Sure. You know. Um. So as a kid, I, I was middle middle class. I wasn't deprived of like I'm not going to uh, say I was deprived of stuff. We had we had food to eat. We had a house. You know, two car family. We had cable. But I was I was not given. Uh, a lot of things that I uh, wanted, like throughout the year, it's not like I asked my parents, "I want that game." They okay, Pat will buy it. Sure. Never happened. No. And it was the sort of thing where I had to plead for stuff. I had to say, oh, "Please get me this," or oh, "Or your birthday's coming up in a few months. Maybe I'll get it for you." Them. It was sort of like again, it doesn't like I was destitute, but like now I can get what I wanted to that I couldn't as a child. So that is sort of like that was that that sort of void in terms of that childhood sort of memories of I never had those things that I truly wanted. Now I can get those. And um, is that healthy? Yes or no. It depends on how you look at it. Do I really need to have all these games again? Absolutely not. I don't need to have these yeah. games. Absolutely not. Right. It's insane. Yeah. I don't need you know? the music library that I have, but am I happy with it? And yeah. is it ruining my life? No. Um, and, and, and also to kind of touch on what you said, when I was growing up, we were, it wasn't always that way later on, but we were pretty pretty poor when i was growing up sure. living in an apartment and i mean scraping to make ends meet but you know we had the nintendo and my parents would buy like a game or two a year and that's what we played sure. uh, and when i did collect nintendo games it was for the exact same reason you did it was because i could now take the money that i made from my job and i could go to the flea market and i could pick up all these games that my parents and i had rented and had fun with sure. but i never got to own on my own yeah. so so exactly i, 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 I agree with you i on only that. owned they're actually all on from the, starting from almost the left going on for the most part. Uh, there's some pieces in there. I only owned about 14 NES games, maybe 15. Within yeah. within, and I had the system, I, and I played the system from uh, Christmas of '87 until I'd say Super Nintendo, sort of Christmas '91. So four full years, five full years. I only averaged two or, two to three new games a year. That's it. Right. One or two for Christmas. One maybe my birthday. That was it. Yeah, it was usually like you know the rare, and then the rare one in between where for some reason the flea market across from Jersey, uh, New Jersey State Prison, some guy had six 
you know, brand new Jaws. Yeah. So my mom got me one for ten. Bucks. You know, like, like, like where or or like um, you won one. There was a, a video game. There was that stand at Seaside Heights uh, in New Jersey, Jersey Shore. There was a stand that you could win video games. It was like the most popular one. And I think one time I won one. Like I, maybe I don't even remember. I was probably too young yeah. to remember, or else I see my cousin win it and he say because his father would, would spend two hundred dollars trying to win a forty dollars game. That's a whole other issue, you know. But um, that's a whole I, other I, thing. I don't even want to. I don't even want to make it sound like oh poor us. I mean we had fucking oh, no, Nintendos, no, you know. I mean like no, no, I'm not saying poor us. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean our parents took care. My parents took care of me. It yeah. sounds like your parents took care of you, but like I mean I did not. We did not grow up with a ton of money. So, yeah, I think a lot of collecting is going back and getting what you didn't have when sure. you were a child. Or, like I said about the records, it's recapturing the memory. I didn't buy records yeah. when I was a kid. By the time I bought music, I was buying CDs. But it's it's just, I'm, I'm recapturing an image in my yes, head. The M82, the, the jewel of my collection, is just literally a vivid image of, in my head. Right. And, and a vivid experience. Of me going into Kitty City in Edison, New Jersey on Route 1, walking up to this magical stand and seeing the video games, fuck you Toys R Us, Kitty City had them on the pegs, you could reach out and see all these video games with their nice graphics, and then you can play the games and sample playing a video game? What the hell is that? Play Urban Champion for a minute. You know, and that's again, that's a f- fuzzy feeling, and you got to take a piss. <laughs> I'm gonna ruin our fuzzy feeling by, by accelerating our outro. We go from the beautiful memory of the MAT unit to Ian pissing his alcoholic pants. So I had caffeine too. Uh, so basically, uh, that's our podcast. This will probably probably be up by the time you hear it. You've listened to it, but it'll be post Thanksgiving, maybe. Um, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Or yeah. if you had, I hope you had a good one watching football, eating cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce is important. Homemade's really good cranberry sauce. Yeah. It's the best. And um, we have a Patreon. So you wanna, if you want to give thanks to us, you'd like. It's patreon.com slash pixel sickle. It's easy to remember. I have my own Patreon as well that I promote from time to time. But, uh,. This one helps both Ian and I. No one cares about that on the CU podcast. No one cares about my <laughs> my my gain at all. Um, and then we'll see you in a couple weeks. Uh, so for Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. I'm trying to draw this out so Ian tinkles in his pants. We'll see you in two weeks. Everyone. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>